Hi, I'm Evan. And I'm Mike. We've been getting a lot of fan mail lately, and we thought, tonight, it might be fun to look at a couple of letters from you, the home viewer. Dear Not Fishes, why are there no female role models on your program, let alone any females at all? Where are all the women? Signed, Charlotte S., Philadelphia, PA. <laughs> That's cute. Thanks for your letter, Charlotte. Very pretty handwriting. Next letter. Where are all the women on your show? Are you guys afraid of women? Yes. You read one. Okay. <clears throat> How come there are no black people on your show? Aren't there any black people where you come from? Signed, Richard Fader, Fort Lee, New Jersey. Wow, he's right. Yeah, this is a problem. One that we're going to rectify immediately. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our new black character, Rasan. So from now on, but especially tonight, keep an eye out for Rasan. He'll be dispensing advice and guiding us through our decisions and adventures. Hey, Rasan, say what up, yo. Hello. Everything but the little fishies. A progressive show. Peace out, homie. No, 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 man. Man. Right out right there. I'm clear in the beginning, Brad. I'm willing to die, too. I want to make movies out of blood, origin, sperm, and tears. I believe, I believe this went out. I got to talk to someone. Great, great job. Great job. Dude, that doesn't make any sense. What? It's a jig, I swear to Christ. My line's in the middle of the road. Everything but the little fishies. We're back. Here we are. We're back. We're back. So I guess today we're talking about Kevin Smith. We got Rasan on the show. And on the show. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to have um, you. I guess I've I've been a long time listener. First time on the pod or as friend of the pod, friend of the pod, welcome. Well, um, I don't know. I guess, I guess, to get started, um, I, I was thinking I was just gonna kind of. I, I, so I, I recently watched a couple of uh, podcasts with Kevin Smith, kind of to figure out where he's at right now, because um, he's in a bit of a weird place in his life and whatnot, and I kind of wasn't really sure what was going on with him, so I was kind of doing a little research. Um, and basically, like, he just, like, Kirk, Clerks 3 just came out, you know, what, six months ago? Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, he basically has stopped smoking weed, um, essentially. And, like, I, I kind of, you know, was wondering, like, why is this? What's going on? Whatever. And kind of looked up a couple of, uh, of his podcasts and stuff. And one of them that people um, will guide you to is there's one that he did with, um, it's called Tell Him Steve Dave. Um, nice. There's like a three part episode with um, Steve Dave and um, Brian Johnson and uh, not Steve. Sorry, Steve Dave is Brian Johnson <laughs> um, and Walt Flanagan and the other guy from Comic Book Man and stuff. And basically, Walt Flanagan is kind of talking to Kevin Smith about like his weed smoking and kind of like he's basically like they did a documentary recently called Clerk um, that was an update of Kevin's whole like life. Um, goes through like the pre-clerk's time, but then it goes post Viewisk Universe all the way up to today. And they did an interview in it with um, Walt Flanagan, where they like tell Walt, like, you know, Kevin's been smoking weed every day for the past 15 years or whatever. And Walt's just like, yeah, I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, no, no, for real. Like he's been smoking weed every day for the past 15 years. He's like, yeah, nobody can keep up a streak like that. I don't believe you. <laughs> That's, and that's like his interview I, in the movie. I know a lot of people can keep it that streak for a long time. Well, that's that's yeah, the thing is like so Kevin Kevin said 
Kevin said he watched this and he was like, it was really kind of like a come to Jesus moment for him because he was like, man, it's weird that like Walt is like, like tricking himself this much, like that, that he finds this so hard to believe. Like, you know what I mean? He's like, obviously, yes, I have been smoking weed every day for 15 years. Like, why does Walt not believe this? And Walt's just like, nah, man, like, this, that would be a problem. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. have you, like, were you smoking weed when you did this? Did you do like, and he kind of was like, no, dude, like you, like, this is the thing. I wanted to talk to you about this because like, we basically they had they'd been having another argument about something that they haven't been public about or whatever. Um, I think it might it might have to do with politics between his group of friends and the people at the, at Comic Book Men and the theater and stuff. I, like you can kind of get really deep into this, um, but it's something they're not public with, and they were having a conversation about, and they like had this fight that was like a real fight, and blew up to the point where Walt was like, "You're a fucking like." addict and like you you're not in control of this or whatever and like at that point kevin was like oh fuck like okay well now i'm not even like worried about this anymore he's just like he's like we were like arguing about a real problem but now that you're saying this like he's like i feel like i'm talking to somebody out of the 80s he's like it's it's weird that you are thinking of this as a drug or something and now i'm not even worried about our fight anymore because like i just know i'm completely in the right and you're completely in the wrong and he's like because i have been smoking weed and like look comic book men wouldn't have happened if i didn't smoke weed the reason that comic book men happened the reason that you have a career is because i was in a room with this guy and we got high and we decided on this or whatever and i like never would have come up with this i never would have come up with and he basically like goes through the past like everything in his career since Zack and Miri and he basically says like if I wasn't smoking weed this wouldn't have happened and if I wasn't smoking weed this wouldn't have happened and it's really weird because it's like listening to this interview it's very much like a guy throwing up like defense mechanism stuff you know what I mean mm-hmm. where it's just like he's kind of saying like yeah yeah but weed isn't a problem like sure I can smoke it every day but like you know that that contributes positively to my creative output and if it wasn't for that I wouldn't be doing all these things and so it was really weird listening to that because Kevin basically like sounds like, I don't know, like I sounded years ago when I was smoking weed every day and not doing anything with my life, whatever. It was just like, yeah, but everybody else is a sellout and everybody else is doing like, it just sounds like him putting up defense mechanisms. Um, and it's weird because like that podcast doesn't really end or anything. Like it's just kind of like they have this conversation and then they end the podcast and whatever. And he's like, yeah, I'm still smoking weed. I still think you're wrong. And Walt's just kind of polite and whatever, but does call him out. Hmm. But then it was like a couple of months after that. It was around January, February of this year that he had a complete mental breakdown. And he says that like how he describes it is like it was a complete um, um, disassociation from reality situation where he just like literally no longer was in touch with reality at all. Um, and had to go to this rehab place and whatever. Um, and basically, like, I watched, a, he did a thing for People magazine, like an interview. And there was a really good um, thing of him on um, Two Bears, One Cave with uh, Bert Kreischer, um, where he was kind of talking about this stuff. But it's, it's weird. He, he's like kind of refer, he's talking about it as like he had trouble like um, finding his self. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's like, there's the me that is the real me. And then there's the me that's the guy on stage and whatever. Um, and that basically he wasn't able to distinguish between the two or anything. And then he's like, and I, I even think that I was being generous by saying there were two because I've, you know, found at least 10 different facets of my personality that are all competing and all whatever. Um, so it sounds like, you know, he's doing a lot better and whatever, but it also sounds like he's, you know, um, it almost sounds like he's talking about multiple personalities and disassociative events and stuff. That's like very much like, um, 
like a Peter Sellers thing. Wouldn't you want that as a as a writer though? Wouldn't you want to be like this is a this is my person? I have like ten personalities. I mean, I have ten different characters I can write. And he wears many hats. Ten people. I think wouldn't that work? Wouldn't that be good for you? Yeah, I think that's probably why he can write so well in so many different voices. Is he has this ability to kind of, you know, change character um, in a chameleon sense or something, like a Peter um, Sellers kind of way. Or maybe he's too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that was that was Peter Sellers' whole thing, right? It was like that there is no him. Um, that all there is is just the characters and whatever. Um, and I think that Kevin is trying to come to a healthier like no 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 the the me that matters is the me that has a wife and kids and whatever because he was talking about like basically that that him the real him has taken you know second you know fiddle or whatever like he his home life has always been less important than his work life and stuff and that it's like dude do you realize like what a crazy like miracle had to happen for me to be here like i'm not going to drop the ball like or whatever yeah um but now he's trying to be like nah man like i this is what's important. I think it's, you know, it's good. It, it's, it's another, it's an, it's another of these big shifts in his career that I think has been really sort of defined by these huge shifts. Well, I think, I mean, like you said, well, you said all this was like, um, post clerks three or pre clerks three. No, this is, this is post Clerks 3. So okay. I think he was still smoking weed when he made Clerks 3. Okay. Or maybe it was right before Clerks 3 came out or something, but it was like around that. Um, th- but I, I, I don't, I think he was still smoking weed when he made Clerks 3. So, but you are, um, you are saying like a, Clerks 3 is the end of an era in a way and that there's like a new Kevin Smith coming. I, I think so. I mean, yeah. like, I think, I think. Uh, a lot of these eras have been defined by these huge sort of shifts or big moments in his sort of personal life. Um, yeah. And I think this is another one of them. He's done with his twee face. I mean, I it, <laughs> done with his twee thing? Yeah, yeah. I. Yeah, I mean, the twee thing started even before the weed smoke. So I guess we can go all the way back to just like, let, let's just go all the way back to Clerks, right? Yeah. Just like start from the beginning here and kind of talk through. Um what it is that kind of is awesome about Kevin Smith and clerks and stuff. Like, I I feel like he's a guy that everybody is kind of aware of or whatever. Um, but there's big fans and there's people who like never seen anything but clerks. Right. Right. And I think that basically one of the reasons Rasan's here, um, is because Rasan, like me, is one of the like real big fans who's kind of watched everything and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is really embarrassing that, I, to put on your Tinder profile, but you know. Exactly, because that, that, that's kind of the thing. Is like I think that being a Kevin Smith fan is something that has become a lot more sort of cringy and whatever uh, oh, over absolutely. time, especially just because like of the time that people sort of discover Kevin Smith. I think. Yeah, it's like, very juvenile. For, I guess that's the word. Oh yeah, um, juvenile. Yeah, I mean, juvenile is all hell. Like I think one of the things I've been reckon- reckoning with is like the the big difference between things that really worked for me as a teenager watching these movies and the things that are like working for me now as an adult. Um, yeah. In, in my near mid thirties, like like. Um, like Mallrats just doesn't play as well for me anymore because it's like, a, it's almost like it almost is like a 
a tiny flash into his like future twee phase and the kind of stuff he wanted to do it like the stuff he did in Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back and um, yoga hosers and whatever. I mean, it's not quite like a complete cartoon, but it's still like there's a pretty big jump in tone from Clerks to Mallrats in the sense that like you have like Jay and Silent Bob like literally doing impossible cartoon shit, like swinging across the mall and like bashing through that wall and like the right. um, how he has like a fucking uh, grappling hook. Like like Batman and right. like they put any you know they get pulled up or whatever like they're just like really yeah and they use they use the force you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so I was I like thought, I thought so whole... I was noticing that I found a lot more of it just like not as funny you know just like things not really like playing as well in a humorous way even though the movie is like incredibly idiosyncratic as well you know and like there really is no other movie quite like it um, but but yeah I mean I I think for for me, the thing that really stands, I mean, we can get back to Clerks after, but I, I think that the thing that really stands out to me about Ball Rats, man, is that that really, I think, is the beginning of his sort of Marvel um, situation. I mean, that, that's that's the first um, Stan Lee cameo back when he was somebody that nobody would recognize and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, this is this continues. I mean, even, even in, in Jan Silent Bob Strike Back, when they have... Uh, uh, Mark Hamill on they have to like say hey kids it's Mark Hamill like because yeah, nobody yeah, yeah, Mark yeah, Hamill. Yeah. like nobody nobody even recognized Mark Hamill anymore and right. like now he's like a thing he was that, a voiceover actor well, at the time he was like right. he wasn't really yeah he does a straight up joker so, laugh too as the the cock yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever um, but like but no to get back to like Clerks like I always find revisiting Clerks as an adult like now being like I find Clerks to be incredible like, I kind of think it is just like a timeless masterpiece every time I go back to it it's still good it's still funny and like it also doesn't completely rely on comedy it's a really smart movie with like interesting performances and it captures something kind of like lightning in a bottle that well so so that this is kind of the thing I think that when people talk about Clerks, I don't think people talk enough about how smart it is. I think there's a lot of conversation about sort of how innovative it is and how much he, he did, you know, it, it was so indie and he did it for $27,000 and, you know, he, he, you know, but I think that a lot of what's left out is like what's actually good about the movie. You know what I mean? Because I, like, I feel like a lot of people could make a movie for $27,000 and did like at that time. It's not like he was the first person who ever did that, but... He was one who did it well. And that's that's actually like what I think makes Clerks still great. It's not just like going back and being like, oh, it's so charming that he could do this with like so limited resources and whatever. It's very much like this is something that connects to a specific audience and like is talking about like specific real stuff um, and doing it in like a really new and interesting way. Like I think that part of it's like there's the there's the Kevin Smith banter thing, right? That he kind of invents. It's the the, the and I'm, he's he's with he's in with Tarantino and these other guys of that era. Um, maybe starting with um, Whit Stillman, um, where you have these pop culture conversations that are you know pretentious, overly verb ver- like. Literary, you know, overly verbose conversations about bullshit. You know what I mean? That end up being much more sort of deep and meaningful than the bullshit that it was itself mm-hmm. talking about. Like it's um, the Star Wars conversations. The, 
And yeah, like the Star Wars the, conversations. But yeah. but there's there's a line in um in Kicking and Screaming where the girl is talking about um the guys um writing and stuff, and she's just like all your characters have spent all their time talking about like comic books and like whatever and like all this effort just put into like this pop culture bullshit is like so kind of sad or something but like that is capturing like what was this thing that kevin smith like really largely originated like i maybe not originated originated but popularized and i think that that like goes on to be important and like i mean with with the dawson's creeks and the, the you know um um, scream franchise and like, all, all sorts of you know 90s stuff that comes out of that but i don't think it's just that style either like i think that it's also like the plot of the movie what the movie's actually talking about that makes clerks and like i mean it really distills a lot of what he continues to talk about in the rest of his career mm-hmm. um in in a very simplistic movie you know what i mean and it already like accomplishes a lot of the things that he will go on to continue to accomplish Sure. Like I think yeah. that the the male friendship thing in that movie basically is something that like though it's not as over the top and homosexual and whatever as it may be in Chasing Amy or Jane Silent Bob Strike Back or even Clerks Two or anything like it's still like completely there in a way that's like heartbreaking. Like you know what I mean? Like how much Randall cares about Dante is like really really real and in that movie even though it doesn't have to like go into it like you know what i mean yeah yeah. and then jane son and bob have a bromance as well you know of course of course um and i think that the whole thing about dealing with caitlin brie versus versus his girlfriend is also just like a really interesting conversation um and it's it's like i think that part of the thing is like what kevin smith is doing is he's engaging with the types of ideas and emotions that like a certain suburban male in the 90s just like has you know what i mean and and instead of him sort of being embarrassed of those things like he underlines them mm-hmm. you know instead of like trying to be cool and whatever like he kind of really underlines the things that are uncool about himself or something and like and like you were saying his later twee phase but i think that there is a certain like Tweeness, almost, or, or, or at least just like a, uh, I don't know, some sort what of open-heartedness. Well, just like his later movies, where it's it turns into these very cartoony like things, like like I don't know the girl the girls in in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, for instance, where it's just kind oh, of like okay. yeah 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 yeah. There, okay. it's like we're well, all like, buying into this cartoony thing or whatever, and it's like kind of campy and whatever. But no, oh, it's so cute that they're doing it, and it's his wife, and that's fun. Like you know that's yeah sort of, yeah, I just like it because it's nice like thing. Well, and like I um, said, I mean, he but, was basically already starting to do that in Mallrats, but then kind of takes a step back with Chasing Amy, and then Dogma's reality is more like justified by its concepts. And then Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back definitely goes into it hard, where you have like a Scooby-Doo sequence and like all kinds of like really stupid shit. Even like Will Ferrell's character and just like the, you know... Right. The absolute incompetence of him and stuff like that. You know what I mean? There's just everything is so over the top and cartoony in the way that, like, well, let's yoga not gloss over the shit monster. 
The shit yeah, demon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the shit demon is like something that crosses the line, I feel. But overall, the reality of dogma doesn't feel quite as cartoony because of how well backed up it is by its concept. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, feel like it's a little like that's a little like ridiculous <laughs> yeah like sure. like like the like ben affleck with those angel wings and like the violence of all that stuff like all feels grounded within the reality of the movie as opposed to some like ridiculously yeah. cartoony thing like the sausage hitlers and yoga hosers or whatever right like right you know but, I, I completely agree i completely agree um and I, I and I think that that's something that definitely there's more of as his career goes on. And I think that you're right that Mallrats kind of starts that cartoony thing, and in a way that may be to its detriment. Like I, it's also I like I, comic I, booky. I, I, Kevin you know? Smith has said. I mean, Kevin Smith has said that the scene where he pops through the wall and like sees uh, Joey Lord and Adam's tits. That's like his, like the low point of his career. Basically. Oh, really? Uh, I think it was in the first. I think it was in the first Kevin Smith special. It was in one of the Kevin Smith specials that he brings that up as like one of the things that he's kind of, you know, em- that he's embarrassed about or that he wouldn't have done, like you know. But it was a thing that Mallrats needed tits and whatever. <laughs> so, I guess he felt bad enough that he ended up dating the girl. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that that's one of those. And I, I think that part of the thing is like, yeah, Mallrats is trying to fit a certain mold. It's trying to be like Biodome or something. And that's, you know, uh, part of its problem. But I think that it also does do a lot of the same things that Clerks does really well, which is sort of this... It's kind of... It's an embrace of this, you know, male anxiety, uh, young male anxiety thing. No, for sure. Um, I mean... Mallrats is, in a lot of ways, Clerks too. You know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the, well, the yeah, follow-up. Yeah. To- totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like it's 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 absolutely a, it's yeah. a spiritual sequel to Clerks in a world where he didn't imagine there would be a Clerks two yet. You know, kind of like yeah. right, right, right. Um, except it's not about the clerks; it's about the customers. But they're still sitting around having the same banal pop culture conversations, and like it's still like getting to the heart of some kind of like banal, like American existential thing. Like I don't know. If that makes sense. Uh, no, totally, totally. Um, but I, but I also just think like I think that the central relationships of those movies are very interesting. <clears throat> I think that the relationships. Like the, the romantic relationships, the Caitlin Bree situation in Clerks and the, the fuck, what, what, how come I can't even remember anybody's names? Oh, um, Veronica. Um, is it Veronica? Veronica? Is that her name? In, um, His girlfriend in um, Clerks, the first Brandy? Clerks? I'm talking Brandy. Oh, you're talking, uh, oh, that's, uh, that's, uh, Brandy. That's, that's Brandy and Renee. Yeah, Brandy and Renee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but I, I think I think the Brandy relationship where it's like there's the anxiety in the first one is about this girl who's, you know, being slutty, essentially. Right. Like the, this, you know, girl that got away that just cheats on him and blah, 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 whatever. And he's got this other girl that will never be the same for him that this other girl was. And a lot of it is because of the negative emotions that are attached to them. Like, that's the thing that I, th- I think that Clerks is actually like a pretty interesting psychological profile of like a just American male in the nineties. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I think that the follow up to that being like ball rats and the sort of anxiety about like 
not that this girl is being slutty, but that she has like a father. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like similarly, like just it, it, like it's a similar just Freudian male anxiety. You know what I mean? That is coming up against like I don't know. Well, it's each time each that, movie, each movie is like is really like you guys need to grow up. And we're not going to stand it right now. And then the women will go away and then like, they kind of like, you know, lose the girl and get it back again. But it's basically, it's like, you guys need to grow up. Like, what was mm-hmm. it? What was the right. uh, Veronica's thing? It was like, well, you she... need to get a job. Like this just, you need to get out. You need to go to school. You need to get out of here. And. Uh, Renee's thing too. Renee thing was exact, like, all you, all you do is, speech. all you do is play video games and, and, and read comic books. And yeah, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned for Sega. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I guess in the, in the first, in the yeah, first Brandy's movie, like, like, Brandy's like, well, I'm doing this for my dad, and like, you're just not supporting me. I guess that's the real reason. But mm-hmm. um, and yeah, she's a dad. Who doesn't like him? That's about it. Yeah, uh, I which is kind of a follow up. I definitely find kind of a follow up to the I find the, the con- other earlier anxiety about about coupling. Like you know what I mean? It's the the anxiety about finding the girl or whatever, then there's the anxiety about the future with the girl and the family and the thing. Like it's it's a, you know. It, and I think that I think for me like what's interesting is that these are kind of banal like emotions. Like you know what I mean? Like every guy is like been jealous that like about an ex like a girlfriend's ex-boyfriend. Like, you know what I mean? Like what Chasing Amy is completely about. Or, I mean, or Clerks or whatever. But that anxiety, that thing is like something that like everybody has it. It's totally basic. And it's something that like if you were trying to be a cool guy, like you would not put in your movie. Like, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. the cool guy is not like the guy who's sitting there being upset that his ex... Like, and, and I, I don't know. But instead, he's just like totally validating these sort of like i I guess i guess today people might refer to like the way that these characters behave and their immaturity or whatever as like toxic masculinity or something or or man childness or whatever but like his his sort of non-judgmental embrace of that um allows everybody to relate to it on a level that is like basic like you know what i mean it's like ts and brody um, ts and brody are both like different sides of the same coin like they're both dealing with a girlfriend breakup but like brody is being more cool guy about it he's like pretending that it's not really like bugging him too much you know he's like things kind of like go off his back and he just like moves on with his day and he's still just the same old brody and like he's you know telling jokes and all this stuff he's like bringing it up in subtle ways and, and like like you know, like he tells a story about like the arm and like you know where he puts the arm and stuff like that. Um, but TS it's like is a metaphor for a whole relationship. Yeah, yeah. But TS is way more like hyper lame and just like focused on it and just like whining about it and whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I also do think like this relationship arc thing does kind of point to a key difference between clerks and mall rats or maybe how like how mall rats is just a little bit more underdeveloped or like misses the mark in some way i feel like the whole um like 
T.S. Brandy arc is like, doesn't really end up being quite as satisfying or meaningful as the arc in the first, in the clerks, you know, with like Veronica and yeah. Caitlin. I, I really yeah, same feel with the Brody, same with the Brody Renee one. It, yeah, it, it, I feel it, like in it, mall rats, it completely just concludes with a set piece and there isn't really that same. Emotional. I mean, there's no real thing that he like earns. Like he doesn't like, she also like, you know, in a way she like wants him to have some respect for like her family and her father, even if he is an asshole. And he's like right. kind of up until the end, unwilling to do that. Like what he's doing in the end is like this really huge display of disrespect by being on that stage and like actually like fucking this whole yeah. thing up for her dad and whatever. Yeah, you know what? And then she and then he's just honestly, like, like and then he's just like, let's get married. And she says yes. So it's just like okay, like I don't really just because this yeah. is so no, like no, no that's like the fact that the breakup wasn't even a good good enough breakup for it to begin with. Because like if he's at the point where I'm going to like propose like when we get to florida which is like in like two days and when we're proposing we're going to be engaged and we can break up over this like little 30 second fight like that's like you're, you're not you're not that's not a real breakup that's yeah, like she's yeah, just yeah, mad and, and you're gonna do a thing and then she'll talk to you when this thing is done like he like exactly. literally gave her to like the end of the day she's gonna call him back and like she's <laughs> like we're totally broken up i'm at the mall now getting makeup done to go on this show like it's been four hours like you're not <laughs> <Right>. broken up <laughs> i know right it's like what are you yeah, children? yeah that's true. but that, that. But that I think is is like part of the thing. It's like you could you could see this as like a movie where it's like, yeah, well, they broke up and he doesn't win her back. But you could also just see it as a movie of like they had a fight and he just like waited it out and then threw a tantrum. Like, but also, who like, like the plane like plane tickets are not cheap, even in the nineties. It's like you can just be like, We're going to Florida and he's like, I'm not going. My dad couldn't find any other girl in the New Jersey to do this, to be on TV. Like, you couldn't find anybody in the mall that wanted to be on TV for, like, a dating show? This makes no sense. <laughs> no, but that's not supposed to make sense. He's lying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. Joke, yeah, 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 I mean, and he, he admits to doing it to sabotage their relationship. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Right. Yeah. No, but the whole, like, the whole, like, the clerks thing with Veronica and Caitlin is like it ends up being super touching like when silent bob says a thing about you know not every woman will bring you lasagna or whatever it's kind of I mean, like that's the thing the thing is like clerks is like a movie that distills that lesson in a way that like nothing else does like it really it's like a thing that i think about and stuff like you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it uh it really it really gets across that idea because and i think that that's kind of the thing is like we can look at kevin smith's movies as a bunch i mean specifically mall rats right like mall rats you can look at as specifically just like a celebration of the man child and like that's what <laughs> yeah. i'm saying is like there's no real there's no real like they don't even win a bet. They don't even like she all she wants is for him to respect her family for a little bit. And what does he do is he just like causes the hugest possible temper tantrum and destroys her father or whatever, and then gets <laughs> embraced for it. It's like basically like the the lessons that are learned in clerks are not they're like unlearned. <laughs> you know what I mean? it's, like, it's, it's, it's like instead of like the, the whole point of clerks being this thing of like you you really like you really do need to grow up. Like, and you really do need to shit or get off the pot. It's like a part of this thing. Um, 
And Mallrats is just kind of like, yo, but people liked this because of the, like, man-child thing. Let's just, like, make a movie where two man-childs get, like, celebrated for being man-childs. And then we can man-child it up and it'll be a thing. And, like, it does do that. Um, but at the same time, I think that as much as we could see that, like, I think that the, these movies are also, like, very um, sex-positive, like, in a, like, for the era um, yeah. These movies are not really slut shaming movies. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Um, they're like how the, so? Well, I think that basically, like the idea that this love interest is the love interest is it necessitates the idea that he is interested in this girl who is a slut. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's not as if this. Is like, oh, she's a slut, and therefore there is no value for her. Like, you know what I mean? There's yeah, instead, yeah. like, no, this is the girl that I love, and blah, blah, blah. And like, there is this thing that I can't get over that is that she is a slut or something. And like, I'm trying to get over it. And then Randall's kind of like, maybe you shouldn't get over that. And that's part of the fucking point of the movie. That's awesome. But I think that in. I mean, that was an oversimplification, really. I mean, in, Mar- in Mar- <laughs> but, Mar- Rats, what but, you but have I, is the. But I think that ben in Chasing character. Amy. Sorry? In Mallrats, like, it doesn't seem like... You have Gwen. Like, like, basically in Mallrats, if... If, um... If Renee is, like, trying to get with Ben Affleck, it's not, like... Like, Brody's It doesn't not, destroy her value. Yeah, it doesn't destroy her value. And he's not mad at her. He's only mad at himself for letting her get away and, right. like, going to... Like, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like, oh, she's interested in him. Well, fuck her forever. It's like, oh, she's interested in him. I need to fucking win her back. Like, because yeah, that's the yeah. way that these dynamics work. And it's it's the same in, in Chasing Amy, right? Where it's not like his thing with her, you know, having multiple sex partners and whatever and stuff. It's not like about him being like, oh, so you're fucking gross. Like that, like he does say you were used at a certain point. Um but it's not like, oh, you're gross and I'm going to get an STD. Like, that's what fucking Banky says. Like, you know, yeah, he's yeah. like, she's probably got like whatever. Like, she's been, But he's like, no, like, I'm just insecure that I'm not at that level and whatever. Like, it's a very interesting way to look at the sexuality. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. though, like, yes, it is about male anxiety about girls being sluts or the value being attached to some sort of idea of chasteness or whatever. But like, but it's not... It's like pro, it's pro slut or something. Like I think that Gwen in um, in Mallrats is a really great character. And I, when I recently watched Chasing Amy, I was like, why the fuck isn't Gwen just um, um why doesn't Joey Lauren Adams play the same character in this yeah. movie? What the fuck? Yeah. Like uh, what's her name in Chasing Amy? How come I can't? Alyssa. So, yes. How come Alyssa isn't the same person as Gwen from Mallrats? Because Gwen from Mallrats was, she fucked Rick Darris on the pool table. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. She was like the slut in high school, whatever, who was friends with these people and blah, blah, blah. Um, And like, you kind of, there is like a thing where where T.S. and Gwen are like kind of in love. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There is like, there's something, or like the way, like I, that relationship is really interesting to me. And it's, it's like probably the most interesting relationship in that movie, honestly, um, is the Gwen the Gwen character's relationship mm. um, to DS. Well, we can't kind talk of sim- seems seems close to you know the the clerk's relationship and stuff. Um, that we can't maybe... talk about sex in Mallrats without talking about Tristan Dish. 
Yeah, Trish the Dish. Yeah. I was about to say. Well, well here, here's the thing. So the reason that Gwen isn't the same person <clears throat> um, is because Trish the Dish and the girl in Clerks who hangs yeah. out with Rick Darris. Um, yeah, they're are sisters. all related. They're all sisters. all sisters. They're three sisters. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Um, so here, here, I wrote it in my little. I wrote a little review somewhere. Fuck, where did I write it? I think it was in Chasing Amy. But I figured, I figured out this connection. So the reason was Alyssa Jones is mentioned in Clerks by her sister Heather, who's the girl with Rick Darris. Remember, Rick Darris is the guy who says he's like a. He's got the milk. He lifts the milk carton. He's like, oh, you're not, you're in bad shape and whatever. That whole scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. The girl who's standing with her, him is Heather. And that, she mentions her sister, Alyssa. And then in Chasing Amy, Alyssa mentions her sister. And Holden asks if it's the sister who wrote the book, which reveals that the third sister was Trisha Jones. So Trish the Dish, Trisha Jones, Heather Jones, and Alyssa Jones are a, a threesome of, of slutty sisters. Wow. I don't know. Maybe Heather's not. <laughs> but well, she did yeah. meet Vic Darris in a convenience store. It was like, yeah. I'm going home with you right now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. But like, you All know, like, I'm, sisters. I'm not calling anyone slut. I'm just saying she's very promiscuous based on what we've seen on film. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, there you go. I feel like I feel like the Joneses are very, um, you know, uh, experimental. Wanderlusty. Yep. It's possible that Heather's like the black sheep or something, but for Trish to be for <laughs> Trish she's hanging out with Rick Darris too. Yeah, yeah. But for you know Trish I mean? Trish the Dish to be doing like what she's doing at her age and writing that book and whatever. Yeah, it's crazy. And then it's like Alyssa <laughs> and then Alyssa is like uh basically trying writer. trying everything under the sun. That's like a whole, like, that ends up, like, being actually who her character is. She's only really wearing the lesbian identity at this time in her life when Holden runs into her. But it turns out, right. really, she's just a person who wanted to exhaust all options and m make sure that she got where, you know, she truly wanted to go or what was right for her, you know. I mean, I really like that scene where she, like, explains that she knows she made it here on her own accord like she made her own choices you know totally she never felt totally. she never felt like there was any kind of idea of life that was like imparted to her she had to i mean it's very like siddhartha in a way to like exhaust all the options and do everything and that's how you actually reach uh enlightenment and wisdom is not just by like following some kind of um um way of life that was just given to you by someone you know like you could just follow the buddha but that's like putting all your trust in buddha for no real reason except that like everyone else is following him and they all say he's wise or whatever like you haven't truly yourself gone out done there the experiment. and done the experiment and felt all the things so like you're just you know you're actually just like i mean it's you know you're just listening to pundits essentially you're like you're not really thinking for yourself or basing the way you think and 
on anything you've actually experienced. So I don't know I like the kind of oh, I like, true. I kind of like the wisdom Siddhartha vibes of um, of uh, Alyssa's, you know, creed her her whole like vision of the world or whatever. Um, but well, I, I feel like she's very woke before that word meant it, what what it means. <laughs> like you know what I mean? She's like yeah. very awake and like actually experiencing these things for real. Like she's she's like the matrix awoke like it, the, the like that that term has changed so much but there's like mm. the idea that she's uh well she's enlightened and yeah. enlightened yeah i don't know but but like i don't know i think that this all kind of connects to kind of what i was saying before about his his um sexuality like the the sex positivity of his portrayal of these sort of i don't know like a uh, promiscuous women or whatever. <laughs> um, but I think that similarly that this uh, definitely is a part of his portrayal of queer sexuality as well. Like I think that uh, like, and interestingly, like you could see the chasing Amy depiction as problematic, right? Like that, that was in the stand up special in, in um, an evening with Kevin Smith. There's the lesbian girl who stands up and says, "Like I had a problem with chasing Amy because you said that every all any lesbian needs is a good deep dicking and whatever." Yeah. And then he tries to defend himself and blah blah blah. Um, well, it wasn't that he said it; it was that the chief feels oh, that's what the movie did say that, and right, that, right. I don't think that's what the movie is saying at all. She's like, she's obviously not a lesbian; she's bisexual. She thought, like, I think she was like given up on men and like it was in 90s so it was like dude the thing is the thing is i think that the movie's even beyond that i don't know that it's like about that she wasn't a lesbian and that she is bi and that he is straight and that banky is gay um also banky does say that line so it's banky's perspective right yeah 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 so in the stand-up special what kevin smith basically says is like that that line like banky says that line i put that line in the in the mouth of the guy who's always wrong as like so you understand that like the movie i don't feel that way but that like that character felt that way and the point was that he was wrong and that he's stupid like blah 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 mm-hmm. um and in the end the girl is like oh yeah i guess i could think about it. Like, I don't know. um it's interesting so rasan and i recently saw kevin smith um i guess we'll talk about it in a, in a little bit um but we saw a live show of clerks the animated series um and there was a q and a in which somebody brought that up um, actually, they brought up the controversy of chasing Amy. Um, and he basically was like, dude, there wasn't controversy about chasing Amy. Like that was chasing Amy was not actually controversial or problematic at the time in the way that you're talking about. Like nobody cared dude, about somebody, Smith movies because <laughs> no, nobody watches indie movies back then. <laughs> no, there was that. There was that. But it's also just like. His thing was like, yeah, one girl said that in one stand-up special and like so I put it in and addressed it and whatever. But like his his take kind of seemed to be like, I shouldn't have fucking put that in there. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Where it's just like, dude, if you go back and you look up articles about chasing Amy, it's very hard to find articles talking about how problematic chasing Amy is because like that wasn't the conversation. You know what I mean? <clears throat> but yeah. It is the conversation in one of his stand-up specials that has become, like, the canon of the conversations about chasing it. Like, you know what I mean? So he has 
bolstered the importance of that criticism of him Mm -hmm. and he doesn't think that's a legitimate (laughs) criticism anyway and like it's a criticism that now people are willing to hop on and be like yeah well that movie was so you know problematic or whatever but he's like dude i was like you know what i mean like he didn't say it this way but like the impression i got was he was like dude i was being a good guy by like letting this lesbian girl air her things and then like trying to respond to it like honestly and earnestly and whatever and defend myself but like what I could have done is just fucking not put it on the special. Like, but instead I was a good guy and I put it on the special to be like, oh, some people might have had some problems with this. Like what those people were were like 0.2% of the people, you know what I mean? But they're 30% of the conversation about chasing Amy on the special. So it becomes a thing as if this was controversial, because like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, the point is. I think that that is not really what the conversation was about chasing Amy, um, that this was so regressive and how dare a white man make this thing about like gays and blah, blah, like, you know, um, but, but it was like what I was getting to before was I don't really know that I think that the movie is about her being not a lesbian, but bi or Banky being gay or bi or anything. I think that what's kind of really interesting and, and what's still kind of, radical about it um to me is that it seems to be saying that there is no difference like you know what i mean that like there is no straight and gay and bi and whatever and that it's all just love and that like you know like that that seems to be the message that i get from that movie you know what i mean mm-hmm. does, yeah. do, does anyone feel me on that at all I or can, like no like, i agree because like like the ending was like when they see each other at like the uh, the com- the comic book uh, convention, and they all kind of like are like, "Hey, hey," they basically fucked. Like they didn't, but like they might as well have because now we're in this situation where like everything's a little weird, but still you, you like mean, we have this connection. You mean holding him back? Oh, yeah, it's a, I mean it's the same thing. It's the same thing. The almost yeah. fucking and we had like, like we had so, something so intimate. We had is just like, and now we're just like you know, on the, and at this stage, but it, it, they might as well have, well have had sex. And so that's, yeah. So it's, it's all like, it's, it's what is this kind of love that we all have for each other that makes this so emotional. Totally. Totally. That ending is so dude. And Banky, like, and like the thing is like, I, so they have, Kevin Smith has gone back in um, later movies and made it clear that Banky is gay. Right. Mm-hmm. Like in uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, he's fucking um, what's his name? Um, um, what's um, his name? Is it Hopper? Hopper, yeah, Hooper, Hooper, Hooper X. Hooper? It's Hooper. Uh, Hooper X. Uh. Hooper X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel they're bad. Fucking, I'm sorry. That's, 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 my favorite character. that's my favorite character of all time, and I don't get his name. I love right. him. It's so upsetting, dude. I love him. I love him. We'll get to him in a second, but um, to me, like Banky being gay is almost less radical than Banky being straight. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that like part of the thing is like, yes, the, I hear you. The continued conversation about that. The Kevin has been having in, in the first three movies, right? Like the clerk, small rats chasing Amy, um, these male friendships and, and the, you know, the real genuine love there. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, 
And like even like I mean honestly like if you watch Mallrats like Mallrats is not really a movie about two guys getting their girlfriends back like it's kind of about two guys who love each other hanging out all day and like having this excuse of their getting their girlfriends back to like hang out like you know what I mean it's <laughs> like that's the the dynamic that we're watching is not like the dynamic between those girls and those guys we're watching the dynamic between those two guys same with clerks same with everything like and that's the love and the central relationship of these movies um and i think that the idea in chasing amy that like if you if you take her speech about like it wasn't about like choosing this or that it was like why would i limit my options because love is love and everybody's so like whatever if you take that and you apply that to the banky holden uh relationship like and the idea like i think that that's way more i think that that would get a homophobe like way more scared <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think that that's like a scarier thing to watch as a homophobic guy is to watch a movie that's like, yeah, straight guys can be in love with each other, like in a romantic way. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That's, that's crazy. Radical. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? I think. As I... opposed to just being like, well, some guys are gay. And then if you are friends with a guy that is gay, he might fall in love with you or whatever. Like, I... I kind of like the idea that Holden is just as in love with Banky. Like maybe they're not going to, you know, pursue this relationship or whatever. Blah, blah, or maybe they're, maybe it is about Banky's gay and that he needs to get through. But there's something about like him kissing him there and that moment. I mean, dude, also just think about that fucking orgy, right? If they're going to have like, what, what is this as a solution? Like as a solution, like, like, not, like just logistically, it's not like, it's not like he's going to have a, uh, FFM threesome. You know what I mean? He's asking for an MMF threesome right now with his best friend and his girlfriend. What is he getting out of it? Because like, yeah. he, he's not gay, right? Like, is he... And what is going to be gay about what Banky's doing here? Or are they both going to fuck Alyssa and that's going to be kind of gay? Or are they going to do it at the same time? Or like, what is this... What's his actual plan? And how does he think that's going to fix anything yeah yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah, really, it's like, yeah, it's wait, really you haven't thought this through he actually agrees <laughs> like, to it as soon as this started happening it's like wait what is actually happening though wait penis wise though like i'm just uh, <laughs> it's all of a sudden this is gonna get real dude and Alyssa <laughs> knows that you know well like with, with, it's like with banksy like agreeing to it like it's just like I love it, dude. I love him agreeing to it, like, and then saying, "Oh, I, thank God!" Oh, thank God! <laughs> yeah, say, no, because because like, he had no idea what the fuck he would do. In my experience, is if someone offers you the way, just say yes. You're yeah. gonna regret saying no, <laughs> but like <laughs> maybe you'll regret saying say yes. yes. <laughs> just say yes to it, and like whatever happens, happens. I think the damage that, is already done once their quest has been. The, made, yeah, exactly. You know? That's why I'm saying that at the end, the damage is already fully done. Like to the point that you might as well have already done it. It makes sense. That's what the end that, um, It makes sense though that at this time in the '90s, you would represent, especially as like a straight man, that you would represent. I mean, he's not. I guess there is a more flamboyant black gay man in the movie. But um, yeah. there is like, so it is another. It is another two sides of like basically gay representation that would have been more like palatable at that time. It's the idea that you have like a like flamboyantly gay character that is like very clearly gay, 
And then you have a closeted gay character, which explains his like bigotry or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and I mean, the flamboyantly gay character is also like pretending to pretending to be more like quote unquote black or whatever. Um, the, the other the other thing that I I mean, when you say his bigotry, the other thing that I would like to emphasize, like he I mean, they say faggot in like most Kevin Smith movies and his specials. I've noticed like they 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 drop F slurs all over the place mm-hmm. um, and Banky like hardcore definitely does um, throughout the movie. But he's also good friends with Hooper. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's like, of all the people he hangs out with, like, he's got a gay friend. Like, you know, no, no, he's no, not no, like... No, 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 Don't get me wrong. Like, there, is, there is like a level of homophobia and whatever. And there is like a level of like, and that's specifically what he's getting into. But I think that it's like very different than a depiction that we might see today of like a very, like a cookie cutter thing that's like, oh, well, this, like, I, I don't know. I've watched, I watched bullshit Netflix, like Heartstopper or something. Like, they're... You know, no, I just things think, that are made for queer audiences today. Well, like I, where I feel like you'll have that character be very obviously like, yo, fuck you. Like, I hate the fags, like blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, and it's like, uh-huh. and then he like finally to, like kisses him, minds that he's gay. Himself. But it's like, this is, well, no, nah, man, he's just like a guy who's talking in a way. You know what I mean? He's talking with very harsh language all the time. But, and, and, and it's, and there is a level of homophobia in that language but it's not like, I don't know. You know what I mean? There, there's a significant difference, I think, between those types of well, characters. Well, what I, I want to say is I don't, I think you're right that it's actually ambiguous whether or not he is gay. Like, the movie doesn't really go on one side or the other. Like, you know, Holden, like, calls him. I think him. the look that he gives Holden after he kisses him is like a moment. You know what I mean? No, it's a I moment. guess it's ambiguous enough. It's a moment, but like, what, um, oh, but that, but also, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's gay. If he wanted to kiss Holden, maybe he just loves Holden, just like Alyssa just loves Holden. Of course, he loves Holden. It doesn't mean that she's straight or gay and whatever. It's and just I that agree, everybody's and in I, love with Ben Affleck. And I agree that, like, <laughs> um, you know, Banky's not being a bigot when he like says faggot and all this kind of stuff. Like he. I think that's like one of the really interesting things about Banky and also um, Alyssa because, you know, she calls, I think she like uses the term dyke to refer to her friends and whatever. And it's getting to that whole thing of like how these words have like a lot less power or they can be repurposed. Specifically, paying attention to that, uh, the last time I watched it re- this, this past week, I noticed that the word faggot was used in every possible different context in Chasing Amy, where even even Holden says it um, to Hooper and mm-hmm. stuff. Like, Hooper says it, obviously, and Banky says it in different ways. And then, like, But there, there's, like, everybody says it in different contexts. Um, maybe Alyssa says it, too. I don't know. But it's it's very weird that... Like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just interesting to me how much he uses this, like, profanity, including slurs, which I mean, which, again, like, that was the thing that kind of stood out to me watching Clerks 2 recently. Again, was the his, uh, his old porch monkey for life speech and stuff. <laughs> um, but that, I think, is part of where he really shines is like when he's actually being um, 
subversive or challenging or something. And like, I, I think that the ability of that movie to use that word so many different ways. I mean, the other thing is like, I just think at the time it wasn't even thought of as a slur the same way it is today. Like, no, not at all. That's like, like, now, you can, yeah. now you can't even like, really even say it, but like back then you could say it right. all the time. Right. And it's weird because like watching his stand-up specials, like he says it in stand-up specials. Like, <laughs> You know what I mean? It's just like casual. pretty recent. In a non-homophobic like... way, but... Yeah. I also just like the whole dynamic of, the, of Holden where it's just like he's just being a libtard for pussy. And there's a scene oh, well, that's, where there's a scene where Banky is like, why are you policing my language in the comfort of our home yeah. and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. It's an incredibly like sp- speech from today. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that. That, that is great. It's a it's a it's a they them conversation with your roommate. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, and 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 it's it's amazing how prescient that is. And also like how the entire structure of the movie is set up that way. And in a way that I think like you could make that exact same movie today and it would just be like, oh, your statement is more obvious or something, where it's like it just totally feels like it's a movie about like a straight white guy who is really trying hard to fit in with the cool kids, mm-hmm. the minorities, the gays, and the, the queer and the people. Yeah, the whole, and the, yeah, yeah, really. Like, does, yeah. Because and, he's and so like, inexperienced. Does, and he's like, dude, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna be as cool as you guys. What can I possibly do as a white <laughs> I guy? I can have a three way with my best friend and my girlfriend. He's <laughs> like, I can be poly, dude. That, that, <laughs> like, I can't be, I can't be gay. I can't be black. I can't be this. I can't be a woman. But I can be poly. That's cool. <laughs> then I'm progressive and That's so interesting. Progressive. Yeah. Uh, and Alyssa's just like, yo, fuck you. <laughs> Are you serious? That's, that's like what this that's is about. That's your solution to, you. to being as cool as us. Yeah. Feels very modern, I think. He's yeah, super no, insecure. Definitely. He's super insecure and he can't definitely. handle all that woman. <clears throat> But it really, but it really is like I mean, early like I mean that's a lot of what the movie's actually talk. I actually freeze framed it um, during the opening credits to read all the news articles. Um, so he, so it's Banky and Holden's first comic was called Thirty Seven. It was a black and white thing that they made. You know what oh, I mean? Nice. Themselves. Oh, yeah. cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so so basically, this was him talking about clerks, um, and it was him talking about kind of. You know, um, clerks and then mall rats. You know what I mean? Starting off making this black and white comic 37 and then going and doing this blunt man and chronic thing um, and mm-hmm. selling out. Um, and just like, as you were saying, you know, you know what I mean? Uh, the problems of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, Very self-aware. He's like doing the meta thing long before it became fucking, you know super clear that he's that's what he's doing well no 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 i just mean it's everywhere it's everywhere in our culture right now it's the barbie movie it's like i don't know the meta contextual self-referential thing is so in right now we talk about it a lot in our first podcast the barbenheimer but i think uh, think it's like uh kevin smith was really ahead of that and the whole like mcu thing his universe you know yeah i think that 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 definitely comes in with mall rats Mm -hmm. um I mean, obviously, because <laughs> that's what it's the first sequential one. All right, hold on. Um, do, do you want to take a quick break? Um, yeah, sure. Spend like an hour, leave everything running. I'm going to step out real quick. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, take a quick whatnot. come right back break. sounds stay good stay on the phone yeah. don't pause yeah, anything yeah let's take a break over on a roll here Context of the antiques. Okay, okay. okay. So, yeah, right, so, uh, so we're back. Or yeah, we good. Mm. We're back. <clears throat> I don't know where we left off, but yeah, go ahead. All right, we're back then. Um, when we left, so we were talking about mall rats, or we were talking about chasing Amy. We were talking about the MCU, and we were talking about basically the meta context and <laughs> and how. Mallrats kind of brought in him talking about his movies and making his movies kind of for the first time. Um, This also seems to be something sort of like, it's also something that's happening in the Scream franchise, which is also a Miramax property. Exactly. And whatever. And And I think that Kevin Williamson (laughs) is somebody who also, I mean, he created Dawson's Creek, but he created Scream. Um, He seems to be somebody very influenced by Kevin Smith. Um, I don't know if he actually is, but his like rhythms, the the um, love of pop culture, the pop culture conversation thing, and all that is very Kevin Smith to me, and th- that's like part of that '90s aesthetic that I really attribute to Smith. That it maybe comes from Whit Stillman, you know. But we, we were talking a little bit about is Whit Stillman actually like they're all contemporaries. Like when is the when yeah. it when is yeah. Metropolitan like? 90 or something? Uh, 89. 89. 89 is Metropolitan. So that's okay. that's really the beginning of that 90s okay. indie that makes sense. conversational aesthetic. And then you have, you know... Clerks. Um, Slacker. Reservoir Clerks. Dogs. Reservoir Dogs, yeah. Slacker. Reservoir Dogs. All that stuff. Um, and Smith is really a contemporary of those guys in a way that, like, he is as much an auteur uh, when... when Mallrat or when, when Clerks comes out as uh, Tarantino is when Reservoir Dogs comes out, I think. Um, and they're similar, like they're they're similar times of their eras and similar auteurs. But I don't know. I think it's very easy now to think of one as a great auteur director or whatever, and another as like kind of this goofy guy. But yeah, yeah. that's not really the case. Like Smith created a huge amount of things, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting to with Mallrats. Is I think. Mallrats is the movie where he first starts bringing in this comic book aesthetic. I mean, Clerks had the the um, Star Wars stuff and all that, um, but Mallrats really started bringing in the actual Marvel Comics thing. And I think that part of what's interesting about Marvel Comics is the relationship that Stan Lee had with his audience. Um, and that basically he would always write these, you know, things at the end of comic books, talking to his audience and taking fan mail and doing things. And his personality was a part of these comics. Um, and then the comics themselves, they would do all these meta things that would reference each other and create these universes and knock off universes and whatever. And it was much more playful and about building this this full universe. Um, and it was playful in a way that DC wasn't. And it was willing to fuck around with these universes in a way that DC wasn't. So that that's kind of a thing that Marvel brings to the table. Um, and it's really run by Stan Lee, who at a, at a certain point he starts having um, comic book artists draw the things before he writes them. And then he just writes in the bubbles afterwards that he could, you know, uh, do more in less time and stuff. 
but his thing, his process of creating the relationship with the audience and the the meta context of if you want to be a part of this, then you should also be a part of this and this and this and follow the creator and all of his other works and those things. Like that is something that I really think that Kevin Smith lifted from Marvel comics. Um, Mm -hmm. And he introduces to his, um, to film for the first time, essentially, which is creating a cinematic universe. Like there had been before him, there'd been, sequels and things and franchises and that sort of thing. But Kevin Smith really creates this cinematic universe that's about Kevin Smith himself, the creator. Um, and you follow him in a different way than you do other filmmakers. And this is like where like Rasan is kind of, you know, as much of a fan as, as you could possibly be and stuff, just like I was, where, like, what being a Kevin Smith fan was back in... Well, when did you start watching Kevin Smith movies, Rasan? Like, I think the, the first thing I saw was in middle school, I think about, like, 7th or 8th grade, when I just, okay. like, rent... I think I just rented Jane's Isle Ball Tribeck. But okay. I was aware yeah. of, like, this is based off two characters from other stuff I haven't seen. And right. I knew that. Right. Um, See, I I also first saw Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah, time. yeah. I think that was. It a, was like it was, it was a really age. weird experience because yeah, it's a movie that you have to have seen four other movies. <laughs> yeah, to understand. It's, it's, it's Jason basically Lee the Blushing, Avengers. Like, what is what's going on? It's the Avengers. Yeah, I knew. I, <laughs> what? But it, at that, the Avengers. At that time in, yeah, it's the Avengers Endgame. Is uh, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's the thing. That's what, that's what I think really Kevin Smith deserves credit for is creating the Avengers Endgame situation. Because basically James Allen Bob's... Sorry, he doesn't give credit for that. I know he doesn't, but... Yeah. And, I, and I guess it originally does come from Marvel Comics itself. Yeah, yeah. he even says but, that. But, like introducing that into film like marvel had been in movies and it wasn't in a cinematic universe like these were all individual projects and stuff whatever like kevin smith is the first guy who creates a cinematic universe and then has all these in jokes and then is the first guy to create this crazy idea of a movie that you need to have seen four other movies to understand Mm -hmm. and like he proved through his um just i don't know uh well his audience finances or whatever that he could build that audience and then keep that audience and then have an audience for a movie that's that much of an in movie and what's amazing is like really so when we were talking about this podcast in the first place i was talking about trying to pair it with um um the stoned age you guys have seen the stoned age yeah 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 yeah. and I, i kind of I mean, first of all, because the characters are similar and that sort of thing. But uh, I, I think that part of the thing is movies like The Stone Age or The House of Yes or A Party Girl or like a lot of the indie movies that were coming out in the 90s. Um, they're completely forgotten. You know what I mean? Like nobody's going out and like picking up a copy of Party Girl. Like, you know what I mean? But people are still going to watch Mall Rats again. 
Whereas like or nobody's going to go find Biodome with Pauly Shore and like watch it with their family. Like, you know what I mean? But people are still watching Mallrats all the time and Clerks and Chasing Amy and Dogma. And I think that part of it is like it's because they're connected to these other movies so that if you watch this one, then you should also watch this one and this one and this one. And then it creates a canon that being a fan of Kevin Smith involves like not just one, but several movies. And that's something that Marvel figured out and then has done where it's like, OK, well, we can come out with Avengers Endgame. But that makes that necessitates people not just pay for Mar- Avengers Endgame, but also pay for the seven movies that led up to it. And then, like, if they want to get the DVD, it's like, well, you get the DVD of the one that you like, but then you should also get the one of the other one that you didn't really like that much because it's still part of the franchise and it's still part of the thing. And that, I think, is something that really, like, Kevin Smith deserves a lot of credit for. Yeah, for sure. Um, but but I think that the other thing is is the the other thing that Stanley did was the creator himself um, being involved, and that's the that's the thing where I think Kevin is really an innovator in like the internet era and stuff too. Where like he was one of these first guys who had like a website where he would be answering people on chat boards, like just talking to fans all day long and stuff, like. You could go on viewaskew.com in, in when I was in high school and you could like see Kevin Smith talking to fans. You know what I mean? Um, and there was a whole aspect of Kevin that is the commentaries and stuff as well. That basically is lost now. Like you, unless you have the DVDs, like you don't have access to these commentaries. Um, but I mean, Rasan, you'd, you'd say that this is like an essential part of Kevin Smith's like career. I, I, yeah. Like, I think the the commentaries are just as important as watching the movies because then you're like you get all the there's jokes within the jokes and it does make you feel like you're a part of like this like yeah it's the world building of like even behind the scenes is world building for this thing that is that he's creating totally and I think that that's connected all the way back as far as clerks because yes. part yes. of what clerks does for people is it. <clears throat> gives you the you know fantasy of like what they did behind the scenes it was him here after work like doing this overnight with his friends and you get to know like well this is scott Mosier, he's a character and this is jason muse he's a character and they were all working together and it's not just the movie it's also this whole meta story and i think the meta story with clerks is like bigger than the story itself like as far as its success and whatever (laughs) which Um, it does by accident i think that it which, which it does by accident yeah, yeah, completely. Because um, when I first watched Clerks, I thought it was oh, it's a black and white. So I thought it was like this is like it's kind of was I thought it was like found footage from like the security cameras, and it was like <laughs> kind of like this like that's why it's black and white. And then I watched the commentary, and it's like oh, that it was just out of necessity, and that makes a lot of sense. But I still like to think of it as like found footage from security cameras. I like how did you feel? How did you feel about? Clerks three, he says that. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, and they're like, yeah, yeah I do remember that. <laughs> when they, when they, when Kevin, they, they get uh, Silent Bob to be the uh, DP, and he's like black and white, and he's like, no, oh, fuck that. And he's like, well, I was thinking this, blah blah blah, and it would do that, and blah blah, blah. and also it would be like, a, it would also mimic the security camera that would be looking at the people. When, like he mentioned that whole thing. Yeah, but I don't. He definitely didn't like think of that to like post, and that was like that's no, I think he did because. Because originally it was about um, 
the character dying and stuff. And there was the whole scene yeah. about um, um, yeah. Randall turning it. off the security camera. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. I, and it was then, him turning it off? Yeah, there's a oh. scene where he's like, he turns off the security camera because he's like, I don't like the idea of the bosses watching me and stuff. And then when Dante gets killed at the end, the idea was that the murderer would get away with it because the security camera was turned off earlier in that earlier scene and whatever. Uh, it was all it was all cut. I remember, I remember the I remember the scene. I remember the scene that he got shot. I saw like that, but I never saw the part where he mentions that or tucks cuts because maybe that's completely yeah yeah. Deleted. He turns off the security camera. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know if it was in the Clerks X version or if it not, but that's that's the other thing. Is when we're talking about the bigger context of Kevin Smith's career, we're talking about like what we gleaned from the DVDs essentially, because like there wasn't the like there wasn't like internet video or podcasts or anything YouTube. like at the time. There like YouTube wasn't even around know. when we were first watching Kevin Smith stuff. Uh, that that was after high school, dude. Like Kevin Smith was like yeah, was the OG podcaster as well. It was, during, it was during high school. You showed me the flying car in high school. Yeah, but that, I don't think that was on YouTube. That's the thing. I'm pretty sure you the flying sh- car wasn't you on YouTube. Showed, it you, came showed, out. you showed me the flying car on YouTube in junior year in the in the computer lab. I remember this distinctly. It's the first time I ever heard of YouTube. The first time I saw the flying car. Like I know. Okay, that's no, possible. I know that. It's possible. That's possible. And it must have been really early for YouTube. Um, yeah. Because I was just looking it up. That The Flying Car sketch came out before the Clerks X DVD came out. That makes sense. So that was just released on his website. And I remember watching it on the website. So The Flying Car is a sketch where Dante and Randall are driving. And it's basically like the same joke about like trying to suck your own dick. Where like... yeah. Randall just like tricks Dante into saying something. He's like, ew, dude. Like, you know what I mean? But they came out with it and put it online like years later on viewsq.com. And it was just like a funny little, you know, five minute video. And it was crazy because back in the day, it was like, oh man, we can watch a whole video online of like these characters. Um, so that was part of the early introduction to Kevin Smith. And then the Clerks X DVD that came out in 2004, I think. Um, had the documentary um, about the making of Clerks where you like really get to meet all of the characters, like all the behind the scenes characters and stuff um, who also are on a lot of the commentaries and you get to know them better and stuff. But that, that really like, that was a canon at that point was like, you had Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, Jane, Silent Bob, Strike Back, and then all of those commentaries. And then you had like the, documentary about the making of clerks and then after that they started coming out with the evening with kevin smith stuff um and that's where kind of so you kind of see like through the whole viewisk universe like he's slowly kind of building this but the internet isn't even really there and as soon as the internet happens he's like one of the first he's like the second guy to like make a podcast you know what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. and then like he builds a podcast empire essentially and then like his fans and his self and his life and his that all gets you know so much more intertwined that you really like i mean now still he's got a a kevin smith club that you can be a member of where you you know can watch exclusive video with him every morning and whatever like you know what i mean it's like there's there's like a huge amount of content that he's constantly putting out, and and you can get ahead of lines and get all this special stuff that we weren't allowed to get because we didn't subscribe to his. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Join my well, that, that's so. I guess club. I guess 
we can we can get onto that. We can get onto that. Uh, I like talk about, so a, a couple of months ago, we did uh, Clerks Animated <laughs> at Kevin Smith's Mod Castle. You want to tell the story, Rasan? Oh, you, you can tell it. No, I'm joking. Um, so how we how do we? What do you mean? What do you want me to start? Well, I mean, so it's, it was supposed to start at seven, right? Oh my god! Oh yeah, why it took so long? Yeah, so like, okay, so. So we got these. So let, you want to talk about Clerks cartoon first, or getting these tickets? Yeah, let's get the ticket. Talk about the thing. We'll talk about Clerks cartoon. All right, all right, all right. So it's, yeah. So it's basically it's supposed to start at seven, but we, so it starts at seven. We, we, first of all, we're in a huge line because it's like no reserved seat. You want to get a good seat, and so we're get in line at like six fifteen. Wait for like forty five minutes. You slowly go in, and then he doesn't even get started until like. Eight thirty. It was, was seven forty-five the... before he walked in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He didn't walk in until yeah. seven forty-five. Yeah, seven forty-five. Yeah. So basically, this, he already was being superstar late, and then they do an auction, and the way he just sells off like random shit they can't sell at the secret stash. It was just like. <laughs> Here's, like, a signed copy of, like, this T-shirt that somebody did of, like, all the Dantes and there's Randall in the middle, like, the Breakfast Club. And, like, you can get the, the artist's signature, Randall's signature, and Dante's signature, and my signature. Who wants this for, like, 100 bucks? And this, people are just bidding on all these different things. There's this one guy who basically bought almost everything to the point that it was kind of sad that he had this much money to spend on memorabilia. He must have and spent, like... He must have spent like more, it was more than five thousand dollars on like random stuff. But like he had like that cool stuff. They had they had pre rolls. They had like the clerk's cartoon DVD signed, which is like hard to get a good copy of. Um, just like other like little fun things like like just that are pretty cool for for people who actually go to these things. But it was a little strange how long it went, and I feel as though it's also something you could have saved for the end. For people who really, really want that kind of stuff, but um, yeah. it was very interesting. And but then I don't, I don't think this like that that went on for like more than two hours, right? Yeah, it was like much longer than you would want <laughs> to. Oh my god! But like it was still very interesting, just as um, regardless, because the situation itself was interesting. So they were just then like it was bizarre. They, they were just like letting this like dude buy all this shit. Well, like, like, well, it was it was it was packed so, with people, and people were bidding, but he was bidding. He was like, "I want," yeah. and things people know was bidding. He still bought that too, and it was to the point who's like, "Ah, no, you no, can he, have it." He like, was also like, "Yeah." He was also like totally plastered. He was there with his girlfriend, oh, and man. he was betting against his girlfriend. And then he was also bidding against himself. <laughs> yeah, he'd be like three hundred. Yeah, he was not three hundred. Maybe like okay, three hundred. He'd be like three hundred. Anyone got more than three hundred? He'd be like, all right, three fifty. He's like, no, you already yeah. had the three hundred. He just like. It was also like weird. It's also like, is he junk or a little bit slow or I kind of was, both? I think it he was, was like, autistic. It, it was like it was kind of like so. It was kind of like oh, I don't know what's going on. It's, it, it, yeah, it was sad. Like, it was like it was, it was like it was a lot of money for for signed you know, memorabilia. Scenes, yeah, for like, really, like you know one or two things, cool. But he like really took over the two hour event that everyone had to sit through. It was just this guy buying stuff. 
Yeah, it was. He bought like more than half of this stuff. Like, you know what I mean? He bet against yeah. like everybody. Like, yeah. it was it was weird. And like, was, <laughs> I mean, Dante and Randall were there too. Um, so it was Kevin Smith, Dante, and Randall, and they were all like, and so they all came out and they all were doing this bit of good stuff. And like, Randall at one point was even just like, "Haha, we should check your credit score." <laughs> like, whatever. He's like, credit's good. We could keep going. They just kept swiping this guy's credit card on this random memorabilia. But Darius was there he too, also, actually. Like, too. At one point, at one point, the other thing Randall said was, um, was like, yeah, this is like one of those uh one of those um things where you, like a a timeshare thing where you come down to Florida and then it's like, oh yeah, but then we gotta make you sit through this, like, haha. And you're like, no, yeah, that kind of that's totally what this feels like. It feels like a scam. Like it really feels like a scam right now that you just sort of like, yeah, we're gonna play Clerks the Cartoon. Come here at seven and we're gonna play this 90 minute thing. And then it's like 10 o'clock, and it's like this still hasn't fucking started, and you're like just selling. <laughs> and the thing is, like, he was also not just selling like memorabilia stuff, he was selling stuff off of the walls of his office. Like he was just Yeah, like, he was like, who's in my like- old office? This, like, if you look at all of my videos from the past 10 years, you'll see this painting in the back of, of my office. Like, and, you know, I'll sell this for, you know, 100 bucks. Who wants this? He sold a, um, a award he won for clerks in, like, in, in Wisconsin or something. It was a bullshit film festival, but it was, like, a film festival for clerks award that he had that he just sold for, like, 200 bucks. It's just, like, weird. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, and that's why it was weird because then we're talking about how he was, like, I'm two. I'm like ten different people. Well, this is like, does he? Is the main person know they sold away his awards for the first movies he made? Like, that's 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 not really important to anyone, but like the person who wins the award. Like, he's just, <laughs> it was a lot of random things to sell. It was like you see, like now he's selling his whole comic book collection. It's like is he? you know, yeah, and he's like, yeah, like dude, you you have he- money. Why are you selling the things that you like? Well, this Why is the thing, man. Is like he just went to this rehab, and he seems he's like to learning be to let on go. a self improvement yeah. kick or something, or like trying to be a real person and but and like that. Dude, the thing is, like I, that type of psychiatry worries me sometimes. Like, you know what I mean? I like, I feel like scary psychiatry is like as bad as like a bad drug addiction or something. Like, you know what I mean? There's something scary about somebody buying into something that hard or something. So. I don't know. Yeah. It does worry me to see somebody be like, I'm getting yeah. better and I'm selling all of my worldly possessions and like doing all yeah. this. And it's like, is it like, cause I don't know, you know, but also dude, like the thing is like, I was there and you know, he came in, like he came in 45 minutes late and then he like, he brought, he like busted in the door. He like kicked the door open. He was like, Hey everybody, how's it going? It was just like going at a hundred percent. And I was like, yeah, oh, dude, he, he, like, cause he had, to be, he had to do his whole character thing and spiel that he's made himself to be like on all his platforms because you know, he has to make all these platforms. Like he has to, but like he's 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 trying to be on, I guess. Yeah, he has to be on. Yeah. And but the thing is, like i i was I was feeling like, oh, this is really bad vibes. He's coming out here try hard, and then it's like, you know. So I don't know. And then just selling off all of his worldly possessions and old, like it feels really gross and fucked up. Is he in a really bad place? And then he's up there talking and I was like, nah, man, he's doing great. (laughs) (laughs) He was, he is so fucking good at talking. Like like, the people in our audience were not asking him good questions and he would go off on like incredible, like I don't, there's a lot of stuff that I don't remember, honestly, because I was, you know, 
you know, <laughs> tired, walking outside, getting stoned, like not like you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's enough like, time to do that. There's enough time to step out and do something else and come back, and nothing changed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like oh, the auction's still going on. I'll have another cigarette then. Like, but he was completely on. Felt like really in a good place, honestly. Like he didn't feel like weird at all. It felt like, and it also felt like. I, I felt like being in a room with him for that amount of time. I got to know him more than like watching all of the specials that I've watched recently and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was, it was weird. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I but, but I, but I also <laughs> really felt like, dude, he does just seem like he is the guy from those specials. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, like I don't get the vibe of like, Oh, he's like, this is all a put on or this is all. Yeah. Whatever. Like, no, no, that's no, how no. I felt when he, when he came out where I was like, Oh, this is bad. But then it was like, no man, this is the genuine him and he's killing it. And he's like, I don't know. He seems so on and in like a good place, even though he's selling off all his worldly possessions. Um, but, but yeah, but then there was the whole fucking, we watched Clerks, the cartoon, after every other episode, there was another Q&A <laughs> that took like another half hour or something. And then by the time that whole thing was over, all six episodes and all three Q&As, then he was going to do a whole secret screening of something. And it was like, at that point, uh, it, was, it, was it was like, fucking, the, it was 2 a.m. Uh, Batman Forever. It was like, um... Like a director's cut of Batman Forever or something. Yeah. Which I don't really care about, so it's fine. But also, <laughs> yeah, it, was, it, was, it was already 2 a.m. It was 2, yeah, it was 2.30 by the time we got out of there. It was like, I, we don't yeah. need to watch and it's an a extended and a half cut of a movie that, <clears throat> of a movie that I watched. Yeah, yeah. That's still a situation so. where people are like passing out in the theater and like the lights come up well, at like situation 4 where, or 5 a.m. Yeah, there was somebody the snoring behind us at one point. In a situation where people, the theater was packed, and then by the end of it, wasn't packed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, so that should tell you something. Like, you really want to have an event where people stay the whole entire time. It doesn't need to be Maybe, a nine-hour situation. That that doesn't seem to be Kevin Smith's goal. He said that the no, last, no, time, I, the last yeah, time they yeah. did this, they were there till 6 a.m. That's just like yeah. what they're doing. That's his thing. And my thing is like, we were not prepared for that. And so this was very annoying. But if we were prepared for that, and I want to do it again, like I would go again to see one of these and just like be energized enough to stay up all night. Like, yeah, we got, we got to go to the hotel or something. Yeah. If you know what you're getting yourself into. Uh, But he, he just like lives in this movie theater when he's on the East coast. Yeah. He He just lives upstairs at this movie theater. So like you're downstairs from his apartment. So he just like stays there and keeps talking all night and then just like crawls into bed, I guess. You know what I mean? But like, why are we talking about it? Um, he's filming a movie inside this movie theater called like the 4 PM movie or something like that. The four o'clock movie. Yeah, yeah. And it's all these kids going to movies, so it's like, that's pretty interesting to see, like, where this, the set's going to be and, like, all that it's, jazz. It's the 4.30 so, movie. Right. Something yeah, like that. 4.30 movie. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. cool. But it's a thing, it's a thing of, um, basically kids sneaking into one theater and then sneaking into another theater and sneaking into another theater, and so you have different, like, movie parody scenes, I think, is kind of the idea. Oh, that's fun. That's the vibe oh. I got. Um, like, uh, uh, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. Purple Rose of Cairo situation. People come out of the screen. I don't know. Or people, <laughs> I, don't know like, I don't know. People. I have no idea. But that's, last action you know, hero. It's, the fourth, it's a movie about people going into other movies. Last action hero. 
Um, well, like, yeah. So um, they're going to do more of them. This this event was called uh, Bears Driving, which is a Clerks cartoon uh, line that's very famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I the first time uh, he's seen. I rewatched the Clerks cartoon. You rewatched it? Yeah, yeah. Did I mean, you enjoy I, it more I this mean, time? I know you. I know you weren't a fan historically. No, no, no. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I wasn't a fan. It's just like not something that ever stuck with me. Right, right. I think I've seen it a few times. Right. Um, but yeah, what's funny is like it's really not much, and it is you know, it's like it's cartoony. It definitely represents like later Kevin Smith vibes. I mean, I guess it came out what like a year before Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it's interesting because, like, it does feel a lot more like something that competes with Family Guy or whatever, you know? Um, and it's, like, very cartoony. Totally. It's a post-Family Guy. Very cartoony and absurdist. It's not trying to represent, like, um, a down-to-earth vibe like Clerks does. Not even as much as, like, no, OG Simpsons does even or whatever. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's way more cartoony than The Simpsons. Yeah, unrealistic. Yeah. But um, it's still really fun. It allows them. Yeah, to that's, like why, do, that's why I liked it. Yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. very different. It allows like, them to do all the pop culture references in like a really big way. You know. Yeah. So he actually talked about in our screening um, that the inception of this show was not his. Um, it was this guy who worked on Seinfeld. What the fuck was his name? Uh, you know I don't remember. I don't okay. remember his name, but it's the, but it's like, he's basically, it was like mostly him running the ship of what he really wanted, which is actually really interesting to learn as we're watching like a whole bunch of, uh, commentaries about it to learn that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So he was saying basically that after this guy, after Seinfeld ended, he kind of was like, what? Like you, you just finish Seinfeld and you can do basically anything you want. What do you want to do? This guy was like, "I want to make a Clerks cartoon show." <laughs> <laughs> That's the stupidest idea ever, and it won't and like, make any money. And, and he didn't, and he didn't know Kevin Smith or anything. He didn't they, like, and he like went to Kevin Smith with this idea, and Kevin Smith was just kind of like. <laughs> Uh, why? Okay. <laughs> he, he's like, what even would that be? And he's like, okay, well, and he pitches him the first, he's, he's just like, um, you know, like how, how it's like you guys sitting around talking about movies and stuff. Well, you could just like do that, but like show stuff or whatever. And the first joke he pitched him was the, uh, the, uh, uh Flintstones uh, list, uh, right? Flintstones list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flintstones list joke. <laughs> he's just like, Flintstones list. It combines Spielberg's, uh, for, you know. Mass appeal with his chronicler of a Holocaust. Like, that is a pretty funny uh, joke, just because of the 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 train bit. <laughs> like, yeah, the idea that they'd have to like actually run their own train. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's really hilarious. ridiculous. But that's Kevin Smith's answer to that was like, I can't do that. I'm not. Yeah, like, yeah, and yeah. The guy was like, Well, I'm Jewish. I can do that. So let's work together. We're like, okay. And so they put the bit in the show and they made the show. That's kind of where it came from. Um, 
But I like I think and I think that a lot of that show actually isn't really Kevin Smith. It's really him. Um, this other guy. I'm, I'm gonna look up his fucking name. I gotta figure this out. Um, well, they, yeah, they had a. I think he definitely was involved as well. He's definitely in the, one like, of the writers. Um, yeah, man. So, uh, and Scott Mosier was involved too. Yeah, yeah. The whole crew was pretty much. Scott involved. Mosier has not been involved in the last two. Yeah, which is cray cray. Um, but he does have like a big movie coming out. He co-directed The Grinch. Did you know that? He co-directed The Grinch. Uh, the like live action Mosier. one. The animated the one. The cartoon one. Oh, the animated okay. one. The new one. Oh, okay, I didn't yeah. watch the new one. Is that, a, yeah, is that an, Illumi- it was an Illumination movie? Yeah. It's David, David Mandel is the guy uh, who's behind David the Mandel. first cartoon. David Mandel, sorry. <laughs> David sorry, Mandel. Bro. Yeah, so, but this is the guy who basically like is responsible for a lot of the vibe of Clerks the Cartoon, I think. And he was supposed to come to our screening um but he was like in europe or something and he was like really bummed that he couldn't come to the screening he was like trying apparently to like reschedule his like flight back from europe with his family to like come to the <laughs> smod castle and watch this because he just like, was really excited to see this with an audience he still thinks it's a great show and like still wants to be involved if they do more like he's very enthusiastic about this show and he's very proud they of are gonna stuff do more. in a way that i think that kevin like never really seemed to be you know what i mean um, but watching it in an audience and stuff, like it killed. And he also made everybody raise their hands and be like, who has seen this before and who hasn't? And like half the audience hadn't seen it. Like it was crazy how many people hadn't seen. Yeah, it's really odd. It was for, for a really packed to, to watch this. It was strange how people didn't see this. Like I thought it would be a packed full of like, like super fans who like dug this up any way they possibly could. And Interesting. like the fact yeah. that it's still like, it's still like not. Well, like, I understand why it's not talked about, but it's still like I was very shocked. Certainly a flash like, in the pan. Like, yeah, because it's really weird. that like his movies are hard to get. It doesn't make sense. Like, dude, Clerks, the fact that Clerks is yeah. I mean, at least uh, at least Clerks was the animated series was on um, Apple TV or whatever. I'm just saying, like, for Thank someone you. as big as Kevin Smith, it's odd that you can't just go to a store and pick up his movies. Like, mm-hmm. it's like being like, well, you can't get Titanic now because it's just so old and it, like, it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. It's like you should be able to walk into any DVD store and get get Titanic. It's just it's just going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's, there it's, aren't it's, any DVD stores anymore. I'm just saying, like, you know, it's it's it shouldn't it's be streaming. hard to find. So you find a lot of them. I have to say, director though. that big. I have to say though that like uh, you'd be much more likely to find a Blu-ray of Titanic in any place you would be able to find discs at this point over Dogma. I'm like, it's, for, you know what I mean? Dogma. Yeah, I'm saying like, for yeah for a big director who's like it's like that his name has been like referenced in other things. Like like it's it's surprising. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, but I th- yeah. but basically a lot of the reason for that is that all of his movies are Miramax movies. Um and oh, yeah. Miramax basically part, some of some of the Miramax properties, specifically Dogma, are still owned by by uh, Harvey Weinstein. So oh, yeah. yeah, I had to pirate Dogma, Dogma to watch it, you know. Like I um don't have any DVDs, like so yeah, I don't have access to the commentaries, but I don't even have 
easy access to some of the movies. I um I watched Dogma because I pirated it, but I had to watch it in pretty garbage quality. I think it was like a 720, 720p right. resolution or something. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird, man. It's weird that like, it's weird that Dogma is one of those movies that is actually getting cut out and like hard to access. Yeah. Like you would, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, that's, it's not even that avant-garde. It was like a very popular movie that a lot of people knew about. Like not that long yeah. ago. And it plays, and it was like a, plays a lot on Comedy Central. Not anymore, I'm a, sure. It was, it was a Comedy Central, like, like you yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. it came on a lot. And it's, oh, it's just on. Yeah, yeah. But so not we, anymore. We went, we went from Clerks, we went from Clerks to Chasing Amy. Like, we didn't t- touch too much on Dogma. Um, yeah, that was definitely, it, like, Dogma's one <clears throat> that, like, every time I return to it, I think, like, there's something really special about Dogma, and it's also like yeah. one of his. That's also like one I of his that I, um, greatest that failures. <laughs> it's a it's a yeah, great it's script. script. Yeah, it's it's a yeah. great script, and like every performance except Linda Fiore, whatever Linda Fiore, Florentino. Florentino. What's weird about Dogma? I'm always just like think about. What if this movie was directed by someone else? Like, how would I always think about that because I feel as though this look so different. No, totally. I'm not it sure. also, yeah, like, it also is his best looking yeah, movie, I think. I mean, he has, yeah, Robbie, I, Robbie I agree. Yaman as a cinematographer and whatever. Oh, yeah, Dogma looks great. Dogma looks great. I mean, Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back looks great too. Um, mm hmm. Is that also that Yaman? Period. With who? Is that also is it also Yaman, the cinematographer? I'm not sure. Is this, it's not the same cinematographer from Robert Yaman. No, it's not. Yaman. No, I don't know how you pronounce his name. Dave Klein. Dave Klein, Dave Klein. is his original cinematographer, but he didn't stick with him after a certain point. But it, yeah, because he directed yeah, Summerland, that show. A show on WB starring Jesse McCartney. <laughs> but I, I know fact. at a certain point, basically, like, Kevin Smith kept talking about his movies as, and saying, like, they look like shit, but, like, you know, they are what they are, but they look like... And, and basically, like, Dave Klein is like, dude, you got to stop saying that. Like, <laughs> you know I'm the one. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Just like but you're the, uh, saying that I'm doing a shitty job all the time. It's like, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like that I set it up that way. It's like, yeah, but it's not cool. Robert Yeoman is a different guy. So Dogma is a different guy than uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah, um, and they both do look good. I think Dogma looks a little better. But Jay and Silent Bob Klein also... Dave Clark Small Rats Chasing Amy. But also like... Dogma, oh, okay. Dogma, and um, Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back really are sort of a high watermark in his career, as far as as far as his like ability to command like a bunch of studio money, and have like yeah. a bunch of big actors and stuff like that, and like actual totally. like set pieces and all this kind of stuff. Um, totally. Like, but Dogma, I don't know. How do you guys feel about Dogma? Like, like I, I kind of like personally think it like was almost his masterpiece, 
And I'm wondering if there's yeah. like, I wonder if there's more than Linda Fiorentino holding it back or if that's all it is or whatever, or if it's like, I don't know. Cause you're right. It's such a great script and it's one of his most meaningful movies. It has like a lot to say. It has like something like actually like really important and healthy to say, I feel. Um, totally. Totally. And it's like really, um, it's really like pleasantly mythological and fun. Like all, all of his weird kind of like quirks, like the fact that he would make those like demon goons, a bunch of like kids with hockey sticks and roller skates or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's all it's very like, Kevin Smith. It's all very Kevin Smith. And like the, like the fact that God loves to play skee ball and, um, it's also, like, oh, I mean, dogma, dogma is where Atlantis a movie, Atlantis Morissette, Atlantis Morissette yeah. definitely. And, but yeah, and, and like, the movie, but, The Golden yeah, Calf, yeah. I mean, comes from Dogma, um, which I think is a really dogma. great piece of production design. Yeah, Dogma is also the first introduction of uh, movies, right? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I was saying. Yeah, 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 The Golden Calf. And The Buddy Christ. The Buddy Christ. Buddy Christ. The beginning of Dogma is incredible. The whole entire beginning yeah, yeah. of the movie is just fantastic. Up, like, like when the when the title shows up on the screen, it's just like, yes, this movie is yeah. like it starts so strong. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And, then, and after that, it cuts to the airport, right? And you get the Ben Affleck, Matt Damon. No, that scene. that happened. That happens before the title. That's the opening scene. Yeah, like there's a bunch of stuff that happens before the title. Um, so it opens with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, and then the title comes after what? The first after thing the is kids? the kids. The kids hitting Hit the guy. God. The, yeah, hitting God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beating up God on the boardwalk. Ben and, Affleck and Matt Damon. No, then it's George Carlin and Buddy Christ and the Catholicism. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. And then, and then it's that. It's uh, yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's Matt sick. Matt Damon I mean, talking to the nun. Yeah. And then that's, him, that's him revealing the uh, the loophole that they can go back home. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But I don't know. That movie just like, yeah, it's it's cool. Which I, it's I like really liked. It was and... like definitely like, yeah, it was really cool because it was the second, it was like starting the second war on God. That's what like Matt Damon was saying to Ben Affleck. Like you start, you sound like Lucifer. You would like, this is like how this thing started and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, the whole Catholicism very, very wow cool. concept is just hilarious too. It, it also yeah, feels yeah. just like ahead of the times in a way. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, uh, we're behind. We're behind. Could be talking about yeah. Vatican too. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not that I mean, Kevin Kevin Smith is not that guy. He's not the Catholic. He's not the. I just uh, think isn't you know, so. Like this is Dogma's ninety nine, right? So it's it's before the whole like. Uh, controversy in the church about you know the pedophilia in the church oh, stuff it? yeah yeah it's no it's, no it's not no, no it's the controversy's been going on forever yeah. no no but i mean when it became not, like the when it became like exposed in the news i or mean whatever. what like the christic institute like stuff like i i still i think that's still like 90s or maybe Was even it? 80s like I, that that stuff like the catholic well, whatever it's I mean, like the, you, the Catholic rape humor is something that goes back pretty far, I think. Well, well obviously, there's, I don't know, there's something they, funny. Like they already guess, made a joke about it in Chasing Amy. Uh, they talk about stri- waking up with strange priests and shit and Chasing Amy. Mm-hmm. Like they, the, being raped by a priest is a joke 
thing that's been around for a long time. It's not new. Okay, sure. Um, but I guess, you know, that whole joke, inherent to the priests. Catholicism wow thing still revolves around this idea that, like, the church needs a rebranding. And, like... Right. But that, I mean, to me... To me, like this is this is what Dash was always talking about with Vatican II and the uh, the, the anti pope and shit. This is Vatican II was in the '60s, and that's when they like you know change the mass to be in English, and they you know start appealing to more liberal ideals and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's you know I feel like I, I don't know if that's what Kevin Smith was going for as, as a metaphor for Vatican II necessarily. I think it's it's a constant uh, no, process that no. Catholicism is constantly going through ever since Vatican II. But it is that mm-hmm. idea of like trying to make it cool for the younger kids and make it more appealing <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. But then like that being paired with like this Catholic dogma and like these actual rules and things that can be bent or whatever and putting that into like a real world. Um, I, th- I think it's interesting. I, like, What's weird is he was, I was listening to him on a uh, interview recently where he was talking about on Dogma is when he met Carlin and Carlin looked at him. He was like, you really believe this stuff, huh? And Kevin was like, yeah, I do. And he was like, don't you? And Carlin's like, nah, I'm too smart for that. <laughs> and like, that was that, I think. But you can't he, like, that on television. I, and his thing, his thing was like, what he was saying in this interview, he was saying that basically, like that cat, that dogma was written by a believer and stuff, but that like as it came to fruition, less and less so, or something. Like you know, what I mean, there's a certain losing of faith in in Kevin Smith's career, I think. Yeah. Within, was there was, was there actually like any controversy around dogma, or was that manufactured? Yeah. Yeah, there was. Yeah. yeah. No, there was there was definitely controversy around dogma. It was um, it was going to be released by Disney or something. And then it ended up being released by um, Touchstone. Touchstone. It's yeah, it was, something, it was something. Yeah, they like they put it out through a smaller subsidiary company, and then the people protesting it. Like it was. It Actually, was I can find that right Yes, now. it was manufactured. It was manufactured, but you know, it was manufactured the same way that every outrage is manufactured. Like a bunch of Catholics who didn't see it got together and caused a problem for Disney. Uh, this is Liongate. Yeah, it's Lionsgate. Lionsgate. Yeah, that's right. It got put out by Lionsgate. Um, but, yeah. There's controversy with that, and there's apparently controversy with Red State as well, with um, the Westboro Baptist Church. So, that, that was controversy that he was proud of, I think, pissing them off. Of course. Let's go to Red State. Uh, that's jumping over Jersey uh, well, Girl I, and Clerks too. I was, I was going <laughs> to... Just, just on Dogma, though, I just think... I, I like. Watching it again, kind of since I've seen um, The Last Temptation of Christ, I just think, like, that's really very clearly what that movie's doing, like, to me. is like trying to take kind of, I don't know, the same approach The Last Temptation took, which is telling this sort of old, very literal story, um, but also updating it in, in to a sort of modern context or something. But he's doing mm-hmm. it in a, in a much more extended way you know um where he's actually like putting it in modern times and actually i don't know he's taking he's taking it much further but like a lot of the speeches like lucifer not lucifer fucking what's his name asriel's no asriel's speech um Oh, okay. Um, Jason Lee's speech where he's talking about like god and stuff like that just really feels like i don't know 
something out of a Last Temptation inspired mind. Like, you know what I mean? I, I just feel like, I mean, so Dogma was written by Smith when he was in like high school and shit, like before Clerks. Um, and he had always wanted to make this movie. It was always such a big budget that he, like after Clerks, he tried to sell it. They were like, no. And after Mall, like he's always trying to make it. And he finally did. I see. Um, but I'm pretty sure at the end of Mallrats, they say Kevin, or um, um, James Hanabal will be back in Dogma. Dogma. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so he was always trying to get that movie going and he finally did. But like, I, I, I would, it just really feels to me like he was a teenager who went and saw Last Temptation and was like, I want to do something like that and like, but do it my way and stuff. Talk about Catholicism my way. Um, and I thought that was like, I don't know. I, I thought that was interesting. I thought that was cool. Um, I think it's after, uh, um, chasing Amy cause it's chasing dogma, right? Isn't yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I think, that, I think that it was at the end of Mall Rats is when it says they'll be back in. Oh, uh, okay. In oh, wow. Dogma, yeah, I think it, yeah. Even though they weren't like or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, was, I can't uh, or maybe it's even at the end of that. the Clerks credits or something. Maybe at the end of the Clerks credits it says James Allen will be back. I think it's Mall Rats. Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah. Mall Rats is the one that ends with Suzanne. Yeah, right? Suzanne. Yeah, obviously. Okay, so Clerks is probably the one that says they'll be back in Dogma. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't know. Speaking of Suzanne, that's like my favorite song. Yeah. It's all that I wanted of a girl. Mm-hmm. All that I need in the world. Yeah. Dogma. Dogma's a good one. Yep. Uh, any more? And then, yeah, we already kind of touched on Strike Back as kind of this culmination movie. Yeah, the end um, game or whatever. You know what I mean? Or like yeah. maybe and, what maybe he what he wanted to be the end game but didn't truly end up being the end game. <laughs> right, right. Well that's um, yeah. Because that's after, that, after that he Jersey goes on this. That's what Jay yeah. not being sober and keeping him sober wasn't was really hard each time. Yeah. That was that so that that was basically the reason that Jay and Silent Bob strike back was the end, I think, was at, at one point uh, Smith said this is that basically getting Jay back and sober for each movie was so difficult that like it was getting harder each time and that he didn't think he'd be able to do it eventually. Um, and that this kind of was a goodbye to all that and shit. Um, and that really makes the end of the movie feel different. You know what I mean? Like it, it really when Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes are just like dancing on stage and shit, it really feels like this just like victory lap of like, yo, we did it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like we fucking did it. We like had a whole thing. And this is a whole celebration of just like that. We did it. And like, this doesn't even need to be like part of this movie anymore. It's just like you and me on stage hanging out, being like, we're fucking awesome. We did it, <laughs> you know? And I don't know. It almost feels like a goodbye to Muse, you know? Uh-huh. Um, it almost feels like he's expecting him to die and it's like this is all i can do is be like yo i love you man we did it uh but then Muse didn't die you know and then they keep he kept bringing him back <laughs> like that's i mean the other thing that i think is interesting that we haven't really talked about is that like smith and muse are like a real life team like uh, muse lives down the street from kevin smith in la and stuff and like was living in his pool house for a long time and whatever like mm-hmm. they, they, like kevin smith is like 
adopted Muse as a part of his life. And now Muse is sober and has kid a kid of his own and stuff and a wife and whatever and seems to be living a life separate of Smith. But for a long time, Smith was very much like a caregiver for Muse. Yeah. Um, and he even did the um, Jay and Silent Bob get old thing um, where he went around. It was... So we were talking about the stand-up specials, um, um, an evening with Kevin Smith, an evening with Kevin Smith too, et cetera, et cetera. Well, after all those, he did a series of these specials just with Jason Mewes, where he went to like the UK and Ireland and Australia and whatever. And he also was doing a podcast called Jay and Silent Bob Get Old. And it was basically just to help Jay get sober. And it's like Jay going around talking about his sobriety, but also like meeting fans and talking about movies and doing the Q&A stuff and whatever. But like largely it was just like trying to keep Muse busy um, to try and help him get sober and shit. And that's like around the time that he gets his new teeth and that sort of stuff. Um, and it's also around the time that Jay and Silent Bob's super groovy cartoon movie comes out because that was... Another thing that Kevin Smith just gave to Jason Mewes to do to help him have something to do to stay sober. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you can do a cartoon movie. It's not the same cartoon as the Clerks because we don't have rights to that, but we do have rights to make us this type of cartoon movie. So you go do that. It's all you. So he came out with the Jane Silent Bob Super Groovy cartoon movie, which is garbage. It's like one of the worst. Yeah, and and, I, and I the Q and A's. I couldn't even finish it at the, all. The Jane Silent Bob get old Q and A's are also like pretty unwatchable. Like, I mean, it's a lot of Jason Muse's stories are interesting and sad and interesting. Like, they're you know they're interesting or whatever, but it's not. It's just a thing for to help a friend get sober. It's not a. And, th- and this stuff is like post Clerks too, and. Zach and Miri and Red so State or whatever. The, all of that is post Red State. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Jason Muse was like he got sober for Clerks too. Um, definitely, but and Zach and Miri. Yeah, but he, I mean, there must have been relapses and things. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. know because Clerks too. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the maybe the Jane Silent Bob get old stuff happens before Clerks 2. I don't I don't really know what the what the timeline is of, of he was sober during Clerks but 2 I, though. I know that he was recently sober during Clerks 2 and I th- I thought that that was the final sobriety. So like maybe maybe the Jane Silent Bob get old stuff was around then. Um and it just didn't come out until later as possible like on DVD or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, after James and Bob strike back, you get basically basically after that you get like the uh, evening with Kevin Smith special, the flying car, the Clerks lost scene, all that stuff that was on the um, Clerks X DVD, that then kind of introduces a much larger sort of meta context, especially the evening with Kevin Smith special, and that's where he talks about the story with Prince, and he talks about the story with uh, uh, who's the guy. Um, I don't know his name, but the Wild Wild West. Yeah. Oh. Um, Um, The Wild Wild West guy. That guy. And all all these, like, really great stories that then, like, put his career even, you know, into a bigger meta thing. But then, yeah, after that is Jersey Girl, which was kind of his attempt to make a, you know, romantic comedy thing that his parents would like. You know what I mean? Have you... When's the last time either of you guys have seen Jersey Girl? Probably a couple years ago. My teens. Teens, yeah. 
for some yeah, like right. I, I don't feel like I need to see it that many times again. Well, like yeah. probably now that I'm older, maybe I maybe I could uh, enjoy it more because it's like about parenting, and I'm not a parent, but like I'm a I'm of age of my parents. I, I remember being the age of the girl, so and seeing my parents, so like it could be interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna be a parent, so maybe I should revisit it. But I don't know. I remember. There you go. I remember thinking Jersey Girl was a pretty uneven movie. There's like definitely things to like about it. Definitely some good scenes, but also, yeah, is somehow a little try hard or just like, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty. It's pretty sappy and shit, and like you know, what I mean? like doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I remember, I remember back in the day, I was a big Kevin Smith fan. And I went and I saw it, and I liked it. Um, but I rewatched it somewhat recently, and it was kind of like, yeah, no, I must have really wanted to like that because <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's rough, you know. Like, there's, mm-hmm. there's things to like about it. I, I do really like Kevin Smith's signature sort of. Uh, mixture of sweetness and profanity you know what mm-hmm. i mean and, yeah. and jersey girl really doesn't have the profanity being a pg-13 movie but it still does have a kevin smith profanity to a certain level it's got the not wiping back to front and the you know baby's vagina seat like you know what i mean it's got the <laughs> like the sexuality of him and and uh live tyler is somewhat explicit right they're talking about masturbating pretty frankly right like when's the last time you masturbated and like, or when's the last time you had sex with your, like, kid in the house? Is that, a, like, easy to get? Like, no, you can, when's the last time you ever, like, there's, like, that sort of dirty conversation mixed with the, like, sweet story of the, you know, raising of the kid and the lost mother and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But I just, I remember it just really not working. I felt like the only thing that I kind of liked about it was the, um, the, um, Fresh Prince. <laughs> stuff yeah yeah the fresh uh, print stuff smith. was really funny <laughs> and the the final cameo of will yeah smith yeah really will smith stuff. yeah it's a great um, will smith cameo I, truly yeah yeah and then like um, uh celebrities make really good cameos in his movies i mean totally i also that maybe this is a good time to mention like the interesting dynamic of Matt Damon and Ben Affleck like slowly becoming super juggernaut stars throughout the course yeah, of these well, movies so and that so like, a lot of this like happens in, the, in, in like the early movies they're just like his friends and, and like Matt Damon is making like not actually a cameo in Chasing Amy he's just like there on set I guess he's just in one scene with Dante you know and it's not like a Matt Damon cameo because he's like nobody. And then like, but in Dogma, and then especially in uh, um, Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back, they're doing like the meta joke about how they're doing this movie for their friend because like they owe him. And like, yeah, it, it makes sense. Yeah, but it that's definitely... so. A lot of this, um, when when Ben Affleck got on Mallrats in the first place, Kevin Smith. Um, was like, why are you here auditioning? Like, you just sold the script for, you know, however much. I forget what they sold the, the script for. Um, but it was the Goodwill Hunting script. That ben and Matt had just sold it when he got on Mallrats. So Smith already knew that that was happening or whatever. But then, like, throughout Mallrats and stuff, like, they had trouble. Like, 
And and subsequently, they had trouble actually getting somebody to shoot it and stuff and getting funding and all of that. And Smith really like got funding for them mm -hmm. um, from Miramax. And then they uh, won the Academy Award and went up there and did not thank Kevin Smith. <laughs> <laughs> they thanked, so they thanked everybody else, but they did not. They did not thank Kevin Smith. And I, I think that that's what they're referencing when they're saying like, yeah, sometimes you have to do the payback movie because your friend said you owe him. Especially with a like parody of Goodwill Hunting Two Hunting Season and this thing of fucking Gus Van Sant just <laughs> Gus Van Sant sitting there counting his money and shit. And it's like Jesus, Ben, I said I'm busy. <laughs> I'm busy. I'm real busy. <laughs> it's it's like really. And then there's also the yeah. It's like you guys got to play uh, along with this. I I'm the reason that that happened. And like you never thanked me. And like, you know, I'm sure he didn't say it like that. Like you know, but it's understood. And it's a thing that I like. I know this story because I heard Kevin Smith mention it at some point. You know what I mean? But it's not mm -hmm. one that he has canonized in any of his specials or any like any of the. Uh, commentaries i don't think like I, I, don't, I don't like it's not something that he keeps bringing up or anything but it's yeah, something that yeah, i've heard yeah. at some point like uh so i think he was a good you know friend about it or whatever but there's that's part of the dynamic um of their friendship mm -hmm. but, I, but also you're saying you're saying um the matt damon cameo and shit I, in um the other movie that came out around the same time as mall rats that that i think is kind of connected to a kevin smithy type of thing um that um, that, that's connected to the stone date as well that we were thinking about talking about or whatever but aren't um, we're not talking days, about the stone age <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, in, we're, in, not gonna, in, we're, we're not going to segue to glory days we have like no, nine no, no. more movies to talk about but but in glory days <laughs> in glory days Ben Affleck is the lead and you and um, Matt Damon is there for one scene in a like cameo that's clearly just like Ben was there he's like dude come on just let my friend get on here for one scene or whatever and like he comes in and Matt Damon just plays this dude. He's like stumbling drunk, just comes in. And they're just like, get the fuck out of here. What, is he, what do you do? Get, the, get this asshole out of here. They're just like, he's like, what? And they just like push him. Out. I don't think he even says any lines. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, mm -hmm. that's the type of thing that Ben was doing for his boy at that point. <laughs> they're like, Yo, could you just get him in here? Like maybe like put him in the background in the scene in Chasing Amy, maybe. It's, mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, they were all helping each other out. Dude, Kevin was helping them out. He was helping <laughs> Kevin out. Like there's, you know, there's a certain... Those guys actually seem like they were friends. And if you hear their commentaries and stuff, like they're talking about stuff and hanging out and whatnot in a way that's like they they were actually friends. You know, they were mm -hmm. actually when they're making these movies, going out afterwards and drinking and partying and doing whatever, like and all dating the same girls and whatnot. Like they talk about this somewhat frankly on uh, the uh, I think it was Chasing Amy. Maybe maybe it's Small Rats commentary, but. It's it's interesting to me that Ben Affleck really was like just a part of that crew like at a certain point. Yeah. It's like he was just hanging out with Scott Mosier and Jason Mewes and stuff. And like Scott Mosier is like dating the girl that was dating Jason Mewes and like is passed out in the back of Ben Affleck's car. And like while they're driving home drunk at three. Like, you know what I mean? It's like that sort of <laughs> shit. It's just like I, I love that that was how these movies came to be, you know, like that they were actually... I don't know. There's a certain genuineness there that makes all of this so much more endearing, I think. 
No, yeah, but it is also, but it is an in joke thing. It's like something you do, like it. It's something that I don't know whether or not I would have picked up on um, if I hadn't kind of been in your orbit. I mean, I've probably done one or two of these movies with commentary once, like a long time ago when we were in L.A. stoned or some mm-hmm. shit. And like, you know, I definitely watched some of the evening with Kevin Smith, you know, specials with you and stuff like that. So I like right. dipped my toe in the pond of having a more meta understanding of Smith. And um and I feel like it probably always has been a thing, right? Like, I feel like even when you released Clerks, it was probably a big part of the There was PR. commentary. There was commentary on the Clerks um, laser disc that was recorded, well, like during Mallrats. That's the well, I'm talking about even I'm talking about even before that PR for Clerks, the first movie in theaters or whatever, or on the... Uh, oh, sure. Or on the film fest circuit, like really amping up the idea that this was a really indie project where a dude just like maxed out a bunch of credit cards and like put his friends in front of the camera. And like that has just kind of always been part of the DNA, you know? Um, totally. I mean, in clerks three, there's also the meta joke. Clerks three is super meta, obviously about the making of clerks and Kevin Smith's legacy and everything. But the whole thing of, uh, I think they like make a joke about like you think you could just make a normal person a movie star or whatever, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like referring to Jay. Yeah. Um, but he is. He's just Jay is just a movie star. He's also just a normal guy too. Yeah, it's true. And it like really comes through. You know what I mean? Just like. Like, I don't know. He is so perfectly him. It would be hard for somebody to, like, do exactly what he's doing. You can imagine people being more, like, thespian-y and, like, acting um, bigger or something like that. Because, like, you know, Muse is actually not big is what I've noticed. He's, like, pretty, like, calm and, like, quiet and monotone, you know. Especially early on. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's, like, he's... Not incredibly confident. In the later movies, yeah, he's a little bigger. He's more confident and whatever. Thinking Clerks 3, especially. Like, he's more animated and stuff. Yeah, Strike Back and Dogma. Strikes Back, Pretty. yeah. No, he, he, I guess he, I mean, would we agree he kind of comes into his best form in those movies? Dogma and Jane yeah. Silent Dogs Strikes Back? Yeah. I think Kevin Smith is also really on point in those two. As Silent yeah, Bob, yeah, totally. Um, no, I think I think he was killing it in Mallrats too. I think he was, yeah, totally Jay okay. Mallrats. I think that's I think that's when he knew who the character was more, and then like was like perfected and striped back. But he's like he was doing the damn thing then. Yeah, but for me, for whatever reason, like Jay and Silent Bob are not like the highlight of uh, Clerks or Mallrats for me, you know? I don't think, not, not, not for me either. Yeah, they, no. they kind of, and I think the stuff, especially in Mallrats with them, is a little bit more, is like the stuff that doesn't age quite as well for me, where I'm just like, this is kind of just silly, you know, and like, uh, 
It, totally, it, totally. it doesn't. I it agree. doesn't make me. Doesn't la- make me laugh quite as much. It, it sort of feels a little bit more forced, and it is. Like we already kind of went over that. The idea that like people like the the dumb, people like the stoner duo more of that. You know, like yeah, um, yeah. I'm sure. That but at the same like, time, I I I don't like. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the jokes that Jay does, like, and what they're doing in those movies in in, in uh, Mall Rats is not as funny. But I do think when Jay's like, that's like some of the best Jay ever. Like, you know what I mean? Just like the way yeah, that he yeah. like slams his hand against the thing and like, like is like, knock it off. Like, just like the way that he says something. <laughs> like, that is, that is like top Jay. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, it's like, like, yeah, it's, it's a cartoony part of the movie, but it's like, it's, he is fucking killing it. No, you're right. Like, I think, I think he's bad. I think like his performance is there already. He's on point. It's more a writing okay. thing. It's more how like, it's more how the writing in Dogma and Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back really lean into the things that are actually deeply funny about the character and the character's dynamics. You know, specifically the whole oh. thing about his sexuality and like and yeah, like yeah, his yeah. relationship to women. That's like a really big part of uh, the dynamics. Like in in Clerks and Mallrats, Jay is merely kind of like catcalling, I guess. Like, like kind but in. Of. I mean, it's like, like suck you, fuck you, make like a circus seal. No, 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 but but, but it's or is that in but, James Bond Strike Back? The, the point is, dude, like, I hate guys. I love women. In, in Clerks and Mallrats, Jay, Jay is never like acting alongside a woman, woman who he's trying to fuck the whole movie, like he is in Dogma and Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back. Right, right, and right. And those right, two right. movies deal with the dyna- the sexual dynamics of Jay and his innocence and his weird, like you know, like it's this thing of like these. In Dogma, it's like a woman who like really doesn't want to be around him, but like kind of sees him as a prophet because of this thing, <laughs> this prophecy that was told to her or whatever. And she's like, well, I'm going to go along right, with this. Right. But and she ends up realizing he's harmless and that he has a heart of gold and whatever. And like a similar thing happens in Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back with uh, Justice. You know, yep. she's like, sure. she ends up falling for just like the fact that he's a cute puppy dog and it gets into this whole thing of like Jay's character actually is like at its most toxic in Dogma and Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back. But it's also like the two movies that like deal with it the best um, in a way. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, uh, no, totally, totally. Cause you actually get the real juxtaposition of like the sweet and the, and the profane. Yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. They'll still say things that are like actually like you ever have your I, asshole licked by a fat man in an overcoat, and then it'll also <laughs> be like a sweet, sweet, loving guy. But even but even, I mean? the, even, the, is a, even the click commander gag, like like by the end of that, he's like doing the thing, he's rubbing <laughs> his nose on it or whatever. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like so cute. Juice. It's like so adorable. Like I'm just <laughs> rubbing nose. <laughs> He like starts off being like, "I'm the commander. I command." Like he's all like, <laughs> like that joke right there is like. He's like, just... he himself knows how hilarious that shit. He's like losing it there, you know. He's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Nose. <laughs> That's one of That's the so funniest good. moments in the movie. Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really is. It's, I mean, because that's that's just a moment where you're like, "Yo, Jay, talk to the camera for five seconds <laughs> directly. You just get unfiltered, Jay, right at you." Mm-hmm. 
jerking off the trackball. That's right. That's right. Coming in, sucking off everything. But yeah, there's a. Uh, any guys? Do you guys want to say anything else about Jersey Girl? <laughs> um, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I, the the only other thing about Jersey Girl is just that uh, recently at the Smod Castle, at Kevin Smith's uh, theater, uh, they did a uh, a uh, sh- showing screening of uh, the Snyder cut of Jersey Girl. Like the un the uncut director's cut of Jersey Girl, that it has a whole lot more Jennifer Lopez in it. Because mm-hmm. the big thing with Jersey Girl was that it came out right after Geely, and it was a Jennifer Lopez, you know, Ben Affleck failure movie that, you know, really tainted Jersey Girl and whatever. So they kind of downplayed all of the Jennifer uh, Lopez stuff and cut her largely out of the movie. To, so she's really only in the first like five minutes in this cut, but apparently there was a bunch that was missing. So he recently screened that and I'm bummed up that we missed that. I wonder what, why that movie quick, sucks so bad. Quick question is, didn't, did Jiggly come out right before that or after that? Right before that. Yeah, that was also the problem too. Was everyone hated yeah. Geely? Everybody hated Geely, and that destroyed Jersey Girl. But yeah, then, Jersey, like, so yeah. before before Geely, they were pretending Jersey Girl was a Ben Affleck Jennifer Lopez romance. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were like, "This is these two hot people that are dating in real life that are going to be this thing." And then it was supposed to be this surprise that she dies at the beginning. Or, you know, but then instead they were like, oh, Spoiler wait, no, guys. change, change the, uh, change the ads. Now let the, everybody know in the ads that J-Lo dies early on. This has nothing to do with Ben Affleck and J-Lo. It's she's, she's out of there quick. <laughs> so they cut her out and did that uh, to, to minimize the, the fallout of Geely. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of people refer uh, to that as like, his big failure movie, but but I, I don't think that's really the case. I think he's got much bigger failures. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Which we can get after, to. Let's go to his next failure. What? Let's go to his next failure. Well, oh, you want to get into, get into the Clerks next failure? Two. Yeah, Clerks 2, which I still think is a failure overall, even though it's still somewhat recommendable and there's things to like about it. I didn't get a chance to revisit I, that one recently, though. I, I, I really, I enjoy Clerks too, like for its own thing as a sequel to something else. I think it could have been definitely could have been better. Um, I just don't see the point of a dance sequence. Um, <laughs> it's cartoony. Like, it's not. It's not. Car- it's not totally like the first one at all. Yeah. I just think he wanted to. I just think he just wanted a, a dance sequence in a movie. Just I want to see if I can do this and just like do it in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it, that that point that was just like after when I saw that, I was like, I just kind of want to turn this off now. But, <laughs> well, that's definitely well, the twee part of. <laughs> like, like I, like I skipped that. Out. I skipped that part when I watched it. Yeah, yeah. It's like why are we why are we doing this? And it's like. It, it, well, it I mean, there me. was the dance part with Jay in the first one. Yeah, but that's just, that's that's a whole yeah, different. No, I... <laughs> that's <Dang>. a stretch. <laughs> I I feel you. I feel you. I don't know. I think I think he's 
trying to go for something there, like a more cinematic thing and whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think I, when I first watched the movie, I I I still I still like Clerks too. It's not like it's I don't hate Clerks too. It 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 was it felt like oh he actually like made a movie that like Hollywood would like, and that's what it, I feel as though that movie is. Some people yeah, really, a, a, some people really like the donkey scene. Yeah, yeah, there's a donkey scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think right. yeah. I, I also stick <laughs> with that. I still think it's like a movie that Hollywood really liked, including donkey scenes. That who would have really liked? That Hollywood really liked. Like, oh, that Hollywood I, I really think, liked. Yeah, I think that was like. I think that pe- he's been so like. Like in the corner for like a long time, and the clerks too was like, "All right, we'll give you like, we'll put you in a whole bunch of theaters now." Yeah, yeah, it was him. It was him trying to do a much bigger. Yeah, thing. yeah. Thought, it, I mean, it was a sequel to Clerks, the biggest thing in his career. It was yeah, return exactly. yeah, yeah. to the viewersk universe. It came out or during the summer. It was a summer blockbuster. He thought movie it was supposed to be thing. a guaranteed success. Like yeah, you know yeah, I mean? and I and was, I don't think it I don't think it was a huge financial failure, right? Like I, I, don't I think, think that so. it probably made yeah, back. It, was, it wasn't it wasn't a huge budget. Um, this is people were people were fans were just I think fans were disappointed, but I think a lot of people still saw it. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I was extremely disappointed. I hated Clerks too. Um, I I thought none of the jokes were funny. Um, I thought that basically the romance stuff did not work the way that the romance in the first movie worked like where it was actually real like you know what i mean this movie felt very much just like in uh informed by relationships from soap operas like you know what i mean um it it didn't feel lived you know um it felt like you know, like specifically just like the working inconvenience thing, like the 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 thing of clerks that f- feels like this is a guy who lived this life and is like showing us how that really is. You know what I mean? Or it's like you have to work this dead end job. You're dealing with, you know, these ex-girlfriends and these things. It's, it's all very real. This one did not feel that way at all. This felt like a guy who was in Hollywood and hasn't like ever worked in a McDonald's and like doesn't talk to people who work in McDonald's is like so this is not what it's like to work in a McDonald's in any way this is just kind of like him imagining what it would be like if he you know what I mean and it's lost that sort of uh, I don't know It, it doesn't feel genuine anymore you know what I mean it feels it feels like it's an imitation of something you know what I mean but I'll tell you, dude, I watched it again, and I, I think that all of that's still true, but the Dante and Randall stuff in this movie is great. You know what I mean? No, they, no there's some good stuff from the Dante and Randall conversations in there. I do. I like that. I like the um, Anne Frank thing. Yeah, that, that, is, that is the one joke that I always admitted was funny, the Helen Keller and Frank uh, mix-up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I think a lot of people come saying, do that still to this I'm saying day. You're, like, as, you're as blind as Anne Frank is just like the funniest shit. Yeah, I guess I like a lot blind of blind as Anne Frank to not see. I guess a lot of the humor in Clerks Two feels more contrived. Like it feels a little more colored by numbers. Like we need him to make a pop culture joke. So let's go with Lord of the Rings and like making yeah. fun of those movies and 
It's kind of like that Lord the of the Rings joke is actually something that he had already done in one of his specials. It was either um, the Evening Harder or yeah, Too Fat for like 40, but it was one of yeah. them. It was like legitimately yeah. word for word. He just took it out of a stand-up special and put it into Randall's mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, this is the Lord Rings. It's well, these aren't all stand-up like, specials. These are Q&As, and they eventually turned into stand-up specials. Right, right. They started as like, Q&As at Too Fat for 40. They're, they're, not just, they're not stand-ups. Cause I don't want to, like, he wrote a stand-up bit and they put it in a movie. Like, he... Did a Q and A. They end up saying this, and then thought it was funny enough to put it into a movie. Right, right. Though if it was too fat for forty, it actually was just a stand. Yeah, yeah. After that, he, becomes stand up because it's basically yeah, yes, yeah. a stand up. <laughs> he like drops the pretense of making people ask him questions, but because after the because there some of the earlier ones, it's like you got like two questions in, and it's four hours special. You know, it's like since I have a microphone, fat- and we're going to talk about clerks too. Though I am going to say I, I'm usually. Not the person's is like, like um, black rage, but I do not like the N word joke at all. It was pointless and just like really took me out of the movie and very upset setting. Really, like, the, oh, the, it, really it really, it really felt the, like just, the, yeah. After the porch monkey for life thing, the like at the end when he says, "Did did you just call Randall an N?" Like that, that's yeah. Hard. I really, yeah, really, really disliked it. Okay, like, what, was, right. what was the point? What was the point? hearing that kid say that word yeah exactly it's just like you just want white people to say the n-word like that's that's what you want to do like kind of like yeah it's kind of what that scene is is that is that something you find funny (laughs) i mean so to be honest like when i when i saw that back in the day i never thought that the porch monkey thing was funny at all like i thought that that whole scene was just kind of like cringe and like trying to be edgy and whatever yeah that's Um, yeah it is and it's it doesn't do anything but like i'll tell you man i watched it i watched it this past week (laughs) this past week i was a white person who laughed I was like, oh man, this is so much funnier now than it was in two thousand what six or whatever. Is it funnier like, now? What what what's funny about it? I don't think it's funny. Well, so uh, so remember in the Clerks the cartoon um, screening yes. when when it was the um, the fag joke the the um, remember when we were when we worked in the convenience store in Great Britain? Oh yeah, like yeah yeah, fags, yeah yeah. And then he's like. No, you're a fag. He's like, no, it's cigarettes. He's like, you're a cigarette and whatever. And then like, he's like, haha. Well, it wasn't until later we found out what fag really meant. And he's like, you're a fag. And he's like, really yeah, angry yeah. about it. Like, People were really, yeah. Like we're Kevin really Smith was like, actually, that was that was kind of like you know, a little hard to watch again or whatever. But I was like, <laughs> nah, dude. The whole theater lost their shit. That was that, that got huge laughs, and I thought it was very funny in a way that I didn't think it was funny back in the day. Like back in the day, when I heard that joke, I was like, "Oh yeah, it's an obvious joke." You know what I mean? But like now, it's like, "Oh, it's kind of like refreshing to hear." Like I don't know, there's it was, it was something funnier about it now. It's just like shocking now. You know what I mean? It's just like, "Oh my god, did you just they're just doing this bit? That's funny." Like I don't know. It's like I can't believe they're doing that. And there was something similar with the with the porch monkey for life scene. First of all, like I think that that's actually kind of like a decently written like speech. I think that his thing of like she wasn't really racist. She just said this, and she did say Shini curse a lot. And then he's like, oh wait, actually she didn't really like the Jews. And oh yeah, I guess she was a real racist. Like you know, him defending it and then slowly like realizing that it's like oh no, wait, those are all actually racist things. Like that is funny. I thought that was good. But also, I just thought that, like, legitimately just, like, getting Elias to say the N-word, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe they just did that. Why? Like, but it made me laugh. Like, you know what I mean? 
maybe because I'm maybe because I'm just a regressive piece of shit. But I kind of like, <laughs> it was, you know, but I kind of did this time, like think that that whole scene was funny in a way that I never thought it was funny before, just because it was like shocking in a way that it wasn't shocking before. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, is it kind of like the like, no, um, I'm blatantly sitting here telling I do not know what you mean. But <laughs> I do think I do think it was a good Randall making Dante say the wrong thing. He's the wrong the person in the wrong of being like, you know, you can't bring back porch money because you're not black. So, well, you can't say I can't do something because of the color of my skin. That's racist. I think that was I think that was the whole around was good. But yeah, like, yeah. it also could have just not been in the movie i just i just yeah i i agree but i just think that that scene back in the day i was like that scene sucked and this time i was like like, that scene is actually pretty funny because like that's kind of a commentary on the thing and whatever like you know not necessarily in in a way where it actually it's about like power and like that it just it just felt like i just just want to put an n-word i want to put an n-word in the movie and i can't Yeah, so, it's possible. I, I, that's what I think that's part of it. Stop defending it. No, no, Stop defending it. They sound terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's part of it, man. But I also think that that's why, like, it's shocking. Like, in a way that it wasn't then. You know what I mean? I feel like, if I don't know. You could put stuff like that in a movie then. And so, because you could, it's like, oh, why would you? That's stupid. Now you totally you can't. And it's like, before no. you gave it to me? No. Okay. It fell, though, remember? <laughs> Here, you want to take a uh, quick break again? What's next for our heroes? Will Mike stop being racist? Will Rasan admit that the N-word is funny? Find out next week on Everything But The Little Fishies. Today's episode of Everything But The Little Fishies was brought to you by Chewley's Gum. Chewley's Gum is the only gum that prevents cruddy lung.